You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Season 7 of Arrow. That's right, seven seasons of Arrow. It's kind of crazy, because I remember getting into this show way back when, when only the first season had aired, and it's kind of... It's kind of weird to think about it being that old, but before we really start talking about that too much, let's meet our cast for this week. So first up, um, you know him as our resident dinosaur. He comes to us direct from the Satellite of Love, and he will edit your video to have We've Got the Touch on it, and that is my buddy, Mike Nelson. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. I'm Oliver Queen. (laughs) 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 sounds legit for seven years i pretended to be someone i'm not a bat (laughs) but i'm doing good i'm doing i'm doing uh, for a friday i'm okay okay that's good that's good are you in your safe place now finally it was a it was a bad day at work it and let me say now it wasn't anything it was so we Earlier this week, we lost our mixer for a, our soundboard. Someone, someone threw away the power cord. I don't know who. It they just touched things that they weren't supposed to. So we had to go out and rent a soundboard. And when it was rented, and it was a professional digital soundboard. This thing is like a, it is a monster. And it came in its own special locked case, like a professional musicians would carry around. And I opened it up. And I spent six hours reading the manual, watching YouTube videos. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to pl- pro- program it to register a microphone and one speaker until that like that eleventh hour came and all of a sudden just pressing random buttons. Wait, I know this this do do testing one two it works do do it works oh my god <laughs> so because we have this like this guy for Mitchell Lee from The Voice he's coming to our uh, to our venue tomorrow. So I, oh, nice. yeah, so like I needed to make sure this worked, and I and like inside and almost a little physically, I broke down and cried when I got to my desk <laughs> because I finally got to work. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Yeah. So and then of course uh, I'm I'm already feeling like oh thank God this finally is over with. I got all this news from South from San Diego Comic Con, the Ducktales doing all this Rescue Rangers tailspin like. My inner child's going crazy. I'm like, I'm too in my emotions right now for you to be feeling this. And, and sure <laughs> enough, I'm crying on my desk. And my coworker's like, you okay? I'm like, it, yeah, it's menopause. It's just something. I don't, a heat stroke, I don't know. Let me just let, be here with me. <laughs> but, I'm, but, I, but I'm okay now. Feelings are feelings are, are becoming stable. Okay, well, that's, that's good. It's good to be stable. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Not that that happens often around here, but it is, it is good to have stability. Yeah, yeah, I, I tried to find it. Speaking of which, Ryan Guthrie 
ducked out of the episode today, so... I wasn't going to say it. Right. Uh, that's okay, because the cast that we have is, is so much better for it. Right. <laughs> Ouch. Anything else going on for you, Mike? Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 came out last night. Spent longer than I should have played last night. Late for work. It's all good. Not going to Dragon Con. So there's that. <sighs> Every time we talk, it's the same story, Mike. It is. What do I have to do to, to get you to change your mind? Talk to my bank account? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and Donald, who I work with, and, you know, friends of Shaw and friends of everybody, He's going, and he yelled at me. He's like, why are you not going? I'm like, I just got your job last year. I'm now in a comfortable spot where I can afford things. It just didn't so happen I can not still afford Dragon Con. Yeah, but can't you You know so many people going. Somebody has free space there. Well, they do not. I oh. would try to go with Sean but because he needs help with the booth, but as I was told, I'm not woman enough. Right. <laughs> You're not pretty Which enough, are you? I can't blame him. The, <laughs> the whole booth babe thing, it's a true thing. Yeah, no. So when he told me that, I'm like, oh, I understand. But, I mean, I could put a halter top on and I'll work. <laughs> <laughs> he has not seen my cat. All right, all right, all right Mike, Mike, if you do that, I want a video, okay? I was going to say, picture it didn't happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work it. Oh, my God. <laughs> but other than that, I'm fine, Nathan. Okay. You can stay at the Sheridan. I hear that they're, uh, you know, really trying hard to find people to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> Legionary disease, I swear. Yeah, I want to know where they found some legionaries in this day and age. I immediately went with Legion of Superheroes. I'm like, 31st century diseases coming here? <laughs> I thought of James, actually, because he's the Roman on the rock. <laughs> <laughs> just carry that around with me. <laughs> I'm telling you, one of these days you've got to do a video podcast, James, where you're uh, in like a Roman legionary outfit. So that, you know, <laughs> I mean, I do, I do have a Spartan helmet from uh, from the last Assassin's Creed that a friend of mine gave me. Super cheap plastic, so it's perfect. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you have a whiskey in a hand, so there you are, the Roman on the rocks. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, it is great to have you back, on, Nick. It's great to be back. Um. Oh. Oh. But we got to. You know, I mentioned it. You know, you're the guy who makes my hilarious video edits now. That <laughs> is true. And I am, I'm going to need your help because I am stumped on what to do with this for the season finale of Cloak and Dagger. I think I have an idea, but I just don't know the perfect song to go into it. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but yeah. Okay. Editing it, you know, because we talked about the first season of Cloak and Dagger and how they really messed up by not playing You Got the Touch. It was and perfect. you edited it in there, and it was perfect. I mean, I mean, that just made that 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 ending scene work in a way <laughs> that it didn't until that moment. So, <laughs> take, it, take it to Dragon Con. I'm sure there's a cloak and dagger thing going on there. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I need to. I need to. Yeah. We'll see, though, because Dragon Con is always kind of like... It's who you know? Yeah. As far as what panels you can get on and stuff, and so we're I'm trying to ingratiate myself in because like the only pa the only track that I really have an in with is the uh, sci-fi classics track. Okay. You know, because I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've been on this podcast. In fact, both directors of the American sci-fi classics track. So yeah, yeah. We we know people. Yeah, we'll see. 
We'll see. I, I would definitely talk about Cloak and Dagger if people let me. <laughs> All right. But yeah, it's great to have you back on, Mike. Good to be back, sir. All right. And you already heard the voice. Late coming to the podcast today. <laughs> he is our resident Roman, and he always has a drink in hand, and that is my buddy James. How are you doing, James? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, outside of today? Great, great, great. Oh, no. What work work committed me to like two hours of sitting on a phone mm. asking like three million questions for another customer. And I was just like, yeah, no, you're out of luck. By the end of it all, I was like, nah, I can't. There's nothing we can do. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> were you just saying that because you were getting tired of being on the phone or was that the real answer? No, like that was the real <laughs> answer. Like by the time we got to it, because he's just basically he's alleging like somebody, somebody who was part of their business opened an account without their knowledge under the business, as well as all the business's like legal information. And then has been like siphoning funds out of another corporation that technically owns the business. Like it got real complicated. And I was like, man, this sounds like something out of a like weird financial movie that I would never watch in a million years. And I don't want to be a part of it anymore. <laughs> that sounds like more like you need legal action taken. Yeah. Well, and that's where it ended. We were like, at the end of the day, like if you like, we can't give you any of the account information. He's like, so you're taking the fraudsters side, and I was like, <laughs> no. I mean, it's just it, I was like, it's quite literally a he said, she said situation. Like we don't know what the circumstances were because this account wasn't opened at our branch uh, or any of that. So word to the wise, anybody listening, if you own a business and that business is owned by a business in Canada, make sure you know what legal documents you're supposed to have for your business. <laughs> <laughs> and Such that's one nightmare. to grow on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like there should be a, the more you know rainbow above my head now. <laughs> right. So I know before you came on today, you poured yourself a drink. So what are you drinking today? Oh, I just took a drink of it. <laughs> it's not even a matter of like before it was, you know, uh, before, after, during, it's all going to happen. <laughs> so, oh, I think, I think that's no good anymore. I'm going to drink it anyways. Um, so it's what one would call an Irish Woodfather. So it's Irish cream mixed with whiskey, but the cream is doing this like weird separation thing right now. And I don't oh. think that's supposed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually painter now, but I'm gonna drink it Which anyway. I was like, it's Irish cream. Does that can that go bad? I, there's no ex, like expiration date on the bottle, so I don't know. <laughs> Everything goes bad eventually, James. <laughs> well, I mean, even maybe I'll get a call out of work tomorrow because I have. Uh, I, can you call it food poisoning? Because uh, I <laughs> like yes, but also alcohol. So I don't know what that yeah. fits under. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I have alcohol poisoning. <laughs> Tell your work that. <laughs> right. I have alcohol poisoning. Uh, you drink too much? Just one. <laughs> yeah, that's not something that you want on your record. <laughs> right. That doesn't sound like I'm a horrible alcoholic uh, or anything. <laughs> Oh man, so so uh, that's what's been going bad. Anything uh, gone good for you lately, James? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have been on a little hiatus from writing. Just had a bunch of family stuff uh, that I was kind of going through. So hopefully get back on the wagon for that. But it's the summer wrap up for gaming for me right now because there is just nothing worth a damn. There just isn't. Like it's just all junk uh, on the game market in the summertime. Unfortunately, mm. I tried to play Days Gone, and I agreed with every review that I've read. I was like, 
it's incredibly generic. Like, I don't even care about the character. Like, three hours in, and I'm like, so you're a biker guy who's probably done some terrible things by what the story's established. Your wife got hurt and then off-screen died within the first 15 minutes of the game, and I don't know why I have a reason to care about any of it. Uh, so <laughs> I was like, uh, cool, great. So yeah, I've been catching up on uh, some games I fell behind on that I never finished. So I've been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which has got such a tremendous game, but it's huge. It's, it's a huge undertaking because there's so much to do. And I spent a solid hour not remembering my controls last night. So I just kept getting killed by everything. And I was like, I can't remember how to assassin. This is, this is not going over very well. Yeah, that's probably bad in an Assassin's Creed game to forget how to assassinate. <laughs> it's like the assassin who goes into retirement, right. and then they're like, hey, we'd like you to come back out and assassinate this guy. And they're like, okay. But instead of being John Wick about it, he's just like Mr. Bean, and he's just like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, I want to see that movie now. Uh, Mr. Bean. <laughs> Mr. Bean. Assassin's Creed, Mr. Bean. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sure Rowan Atkinson would be up for it. <laughs> He's just accidentally like right. like killing people with a straw. Right. Yes. <laughs> All by accident. It's great. Oh man. Well <laughs> that that sounds like at least you're uh at least you're having some fun. Yeah. That's the most important thing. <laughs> right. Alright, so uh we're gonna have some more fun talking about CW shows in a minute, but uh it's good to have you back on, James. Good to be back. Alright, and finally we have our resident ESO movie reviewer. She absolutely loves Star Wars, and that is my friend Ashley. How are you doing, Ashley? Good. Wow, I don't know how to follow up those other two introductions. I don't have anything going on that's quite as exciting as uh, drinks of questionable safety or Mr. Bean the Assassin. Or And I can't do an Oliver Queen voice either, but I'm here and I'm excited to talk Arrow. <laughs> You have failed this podcast. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I can't do voices, but I'm glad to be here regardless. <laughs> All right. So uh, so you review uh, movies for the Air Station One Network. Yes. What would you say of all the movies you've seen so far this summer? I'm going to say let's exclude Endgame if Endgame would be your pick. What has been the best movie this summer? So far. Oh gosh! Well, I was going to pick in game, but right. uh, <laughs> I know, but that's like everybody's answer. So exactly. I want you to... <laughs> right. So you know what? Um, some of the ones I've enjoyed the most this summer have actually kind of been surprises. I really liked Rocket Man and Yesterday, two kind of music themed movies, Elton John and the Beatles, um, respectively. And I actually really enjoyed Aladdin. I was not necessarily expecting to, but I've seen it twice, and it was a really fun movie. So. Unfortunately, some of the other ones I was kind of looking forward to turned out a little bit more meh than I was hoping. So I've enjoyed some movies that were a little bit more off the beaten path. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I. Uh, but how, how do you feel about the Disney live action movies in general? So I am actually, I've enjoyed most of them. I think I kind of just approach them. They are what they are. You know, we have the animated classics. Those are always going to stand on their own. You're not going to top them, but it's kind of fun to see it in a live in a different format. Um, I think some of them do a better job of bringing something new to the story than others. And I kind of just see them as harmless fun, but um, hopefully they will kind of get these stories to a new generation and inspire people to go back and check out the animated movies. Maybe kids that have not seen those yet. 
Yeah, I know when I saw Beauty and the Beast, which was a movie that did incredibly well, uh, made a lot of money, I was really disappointed because it felt like there was so much where I was like, this is just like the animated version. And to me, it feels like if you're going to redo it, then like do like a different take, you know, yeah. like make it like really different, you know, and spin it. Like one of my favorite shows uh, was Once Upon a Time. And I like that yes. because of the aspect of taking the fairy tale and standing it on its head or doing something different with it. And so it just seems like really sedate to me to just be like, oh, this is just like the Disney movie I've seen multiple times, except, you know, with a few extra scenes in it. Okay. Yeah, that is totally fair. I think some of the ones that have been better, like Maleficent, uh, Cinderella, and Aladdin, I think did a better job kind of bringing some new things to it. Um, I just saw Lion King last night, and it was like the visuals were amazing. It was really cool to see, but there were some moments when I was watching, it's like, I feel like this is just kind of like the animated movie and it's still animated, but it's just computer animated. So <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I think it's better if they can kind of veer a little bit farther from the source material. And it looks like Mulan will actually be different than the animated movie. Right. That's, that's yeah. what I understand as well. Yeah. That they're going to make it more, you know, in line with, with like Chinese, you know, history and, and, yes. and mythology. So that, you know, so yeah, that, that will, that will hopefully be good. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's funny you mentioned Maleficent. You know, I don't count Maleficent because it is so thoroughly different uh, <laughs> that it's like it's not even in the same. But you're right, though. I mean, that's exactly what I was talking about, making it different. It's just in that particular case, I don't like that they made Maleficent uh, like the hero of the story. And so that kind of bothered me about that one. But I'm like, <laughs> OK, yeah, yeah, it went too far. But now they're making a sequel where she it looks like she's going to be the bad guy again now. So I don't know what they're doing with Maleficent. Yeah. Who knows? Right. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's great to have you back on the show, Ashley. Oh, thank you. Looking forward to it. Oh, it's time for our five-minute controversy. And for those joining us for the first time, the five-minute controversy is just a way for us to loosen up and to give you just a little bit of insight into how we feel about some geeky debate going on right now. And what I wanted to talk about, and this time it's not so much of a black and white yes-no kind of question like we do a lot of times with this. This time mm -hmm. I wanted to ask about Keanu Reeves and the fact that he is interested in playing a role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, I just wanted to throw it open there. What character in the Marvel canon do you think Keanu Reeves should play? So, let's start with you, Mike, since you had an instant reaction. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't. I honestly, be it, it, it was the whole like, oh, Keanu could play Adam Warlock. It's like, okay, I guess that's probably the one he can do. <laughs> I wow. love. I do absolutely love Keanu. I'm a big fan of his movies from pre Matrix, kind of during no Matrix, way. and after Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, oh, I am not a Matrix fan. No, no. Not, I, that third one. You missed the joke, Mike. I was doing a oh. Ted voice for that. Oh, well, oh, well, oh gotcha. No I gotcha. way. <laughs> yeah, way. Excellent. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. I think Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is the finest movie he's ever done. But, you know, that's... Agreed. <laughs> All right. I can't... So, I can't really think of any real Marvel character that he could actually play. I mean, besides Adam, I guess. Why do you think Keanu Reeves would be good for the role of Adam Warlock? Adam's intimidating. And Keanu, because of these John Wick movies, we never saw Keanu as intimidating. In the Matrix movies, he was kind of, but like, John Wick's like, okay, 
he is straight up. You could look into his face like, I don't want to mess with you, dude. And that's how I always got from Adam Warlock in the, in the comics. Like, I just don't want to talk to this guy. Okay. And I think Keanu can, can go in that direction. Honestly, and, and you definitely gave me a brainstorm for because I'm trying to think of other Marvel characters, and I can't really pick one. I mean, Keanu could play Cyclops? <laughs> Make Cyclops like that's not, that's, I, that's not actually a bad choice, because <laughs> stoic and, you know, like, action guy, that's probably a good yeah for like a marvel keanu yeah yeah that's not a bad one i mean yeah i mean, just maybe he'll make cyclops likable <laughs> and if anything it would just bring keanu down a peg so he's not so godlike to reddit i don't know <laughs> <laughs> okay does anybody know how tall he is just just out of curiosity He's gotta be at least six something. Yeah, yeah. It's just X Men fandom is is really particular about like getting heights right because you know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Everybody commented that Hugh Jackman was way too tall, you know, and that's been like sort of a sticking point in X Men fandom. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> so you know, everyone's comments for the MCU recast of Wolverine has been like, it's gotta be a short actor. It's gotta be a short actor. I've got here, according to Google, he is six foot one. Oh, okay. Very that's average for such a likable guy. Yeah. <laughs> Cyclops is 6'4", but, you know, it's close enough. <laughs> Aeronet will implode over four inches. Right. Okay, all right, so so are we going to go with Adam Warlock or Cyclops for you? You know, I'll go with Cyclops. I think okay. I think that would definitely test Keanu's acting ability and range. Yeah, I think, I think Cyclops is actually the better of those two choices, personally. All right, so Ashley, I know that you're not as steeped in comic lore as uh, we are, but do you have a character uh, that you would like to see Keanu play? Yeah, so you are correct. That is my geek Achilles heel, as I call it. I have not really (laughs) got a chance to dive into the comics yet, so I am actually going to cheat a little bit with this question, and instead of the MCU, I would like to steal Keanu and have him be a character in the Star Wars universe instead. (laughs) It's all Disney, That's right. right? I mean, so, just like walk across the hallway, different franchise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And and who, who do you want him to play? I would be interested in seeing him play original character, actually. I know there's been chatter on the internet about him playing a character in the Republic video game, like if they ever did a movie adaptation, which I'm not familiar with that. But I would like to see him as kind of like a stoic Jedi. I think he could be really kind of interesting in that sort of a role. Okay. And James, who would you want to see Keanu play in the MCU? Oh, man. So, okay. so uh, Hey, come on. I posted I this in oh, advance no, no. so that oh, you no. guys can think about I know, it. Okay. I, I brought this up to my wife, and I was like, Nathan posted this question that I'm really conflicted on answers for. I don't know where to go with it. And she was like, what is it? And I told her, and she was like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, see, after after John Wick, I feel like he can be anybody. But uh, no, in all seriousness, I was just like, you know what? I know they're already looking at doing a movie and I don't like the actor they chose and they should replace him immediately with Keanu Reeves. And that's Morbius. I think he would be oh. a fantastic Morbius just because he's already got that kind of like <laughs> loner per like, like, like personality. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Oh, mm-hmm. he just kind of fits the bill. Like, you know, and he, and, and Morbius is kind of this like tragic character where I was just like, you know, he, he had this horrible thing just kind of happened to him. And so, you know, it, he, he, he's just kind of this very empathetic character, but he, he's one of those characters that like searches for the, 
wrong way of trying to get the right thing for him. <laughs> so, like, I can see it. That's that's not a bad choice. I didn't think about that one because that's actually a Sony movie. So I didn't think about that for Keanu in the MCU because I was thinking about the properties that Marvel still has. You know, like, right now, Spider-Man's the big thing that Marvel doesn't have control over. So even though, like, Sony's loaning Spider-Man to them, all the other characters like Venom and Morbius that are sort of sidelined Spider-Man characters are still directly Sony. I mean, films. but let's face it. Eventually, Disney is just going to strong-arm Sony into <laughs> selling off their Spider-Man. And it'll happen. It'll it'll probably be like 10 years, but it'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> or they'll just buy Sony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, we own you now. Therefore, we own our property. It's like Thank it's you. like we'll just buy the whole company just to get their film division. Right. I mean, that's basically what they did to Fox. <laughs> they, they bought everything but the news. They were <laughs> like, you know what? You guys can keep your terrible news division. We want everything. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, yeah. Rupert Murdoch actually wanted to keep that, though. That was the thing. He was just selling off the stuff that he, you know, sure. did so strongly about. Wanted it. <laughs> I'll roll in all these billions. That's fine. But, okay, so yeah, more busy. Yeah, because, I mean, Jared Leto. I I'm still scratching my head after he played the Joker like, that anyone would want him in a comic book property. Well, that's where I'm at, because I hated, I hated his representation of the Joker. Like, yes. I don't like it. I can't stand it. I'll go on record anywhere to say that. I would say it to his face easily. And it's one of those where I'm like, after, after A, I heard about all the weird backstage stuff he did for that. And just, he like, I did my own interpretation of the character. I was like, I don't want to see what your own interpretation of Morbius is. Because if you if you mess up this character for me, I'm going to be really upset. And I'm just going to stop listening to your music. I'm just going to stop focusing on you at all. You're just going to become non-existent to me in the world. <laughs> You're dead to me. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I'm just imagining Morbius with all this bling and gold teeth and stuff, and I'm like, I I don't need that. He's just got, just got the chromed fangs. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I actually, I, I do like that, um, Keanu for Morbius. So, I went a little bit of a different track. I was thinking, okay, so we know that Keanu has the sort of comic roots, and we know that lately, though, he's been playing more of the action star. So I was trying to think of a character that would combine those two elements. And what I came up with, especially after the popularity of Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok and everything, is what Marvel needs to do is they need to do Great Lakes Avengers and Keanu Reeves can play Mr. Immortal. <laughs> Excuse my French. I'm sorry. I know you got to keep it clean, but that was... uh. That was left field stuff right. there, dude. Wow. <laughs> so, people who don't know, Mr. Immortal is the leader of the Great Lakes Avengers, which is like the Z-list superheroes in the Marvel Universe <laughs> getting together. <laughs> and Like, you said that, and I didn't know what it really? was. And I immediately wicked oh. it. <laughs> and I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Immortal's superpower that can't die. That's it. <laughs> He's got a gun. So you're saying it's just who he is. Right, naturally. yes, exactly. That, so it's like except that except that, you know, like the the humor is that Mr. Immortal gets like smashed, you know, like like destroyed in all sorts of horrible ways and just keeps getting back up. So, you know, it's like, it's not like in an action movie where the character just dodges everything or whatever. Like, Mr. Immortal gets messed up really badly. He just doesn't die. <laughs> so, I think that'd be funny sort of playing off of the idea of Keanu as the action star. 
you know, and everything. So, yeah, I totally want a Great Lakes Avengers movie. I think that that would be a lot of you fun. You might eat me, but you'll never destroy me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think he would be perfect for that role. But, yeah, R Ryan, if he had been on, I know what he was going to say, and it hurts me deeply because I love this character so much, and I don't think Keanu would do it justice. So I'll just throw it out there. Ryan wants uh, Keanu to be Namor, the Submariner. <laughs> well, well... you, Ryan. <laughs> I mean, visually, I can see it. And again, this would just be a lesson for Keanu to tap into that acting range. <laughs> and I would, I would like to see him pompous <sighs> to take him down and ready the page a bit. <sighs> No, see, my problem is Namor needs, like, a serious character actor. I mean, you need somebody that's, like, almost Shakespearean in their range. Gary Coleman, understood. We'll go ahead and make that phone call. <laughs> I just, no, I do not want, I do not want Keanu playing it. As, you know, as great as Keanu can be in some roles, that's not the role for him. It's so miscast. I don't know if Ryan just said that to hurt me or what, but, you know. <laughs> Anyway, all right. <laughs> I'm back. But, all right, no, those were some great choices, guys. I, I really liked those. Probably of those, Cyclops is the one that's most likely to happen since Morbius has already been cast and they're probably never doing a Great Lakes Adventures movie. Although I can dream. So, so good call, Mike. I'm going to go with Great Lakes Adventures, too. Like, I want that now. <laughs> Mr. Immortal, like, dropping my jaw over here. Like, I remember him. <laughs> The thing I'll always remember, you know, if you remember Wizard Magazine way back in the day, is when they described the Great Lakes Adventure, they were describing the different members, and they talk about Miss Mass, and they say, basically, Roseanne Barr with superpowers. Yes! <laughs> oh, man. Yep. Well, I miss Wizard. Anyway... Well, uh, guys, this was this was really a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, now we're going to pause for a promo from another fine podcast. We are the Metal Geeks Podcast, and on this show, we have heavy metal, comic books, video games, movies, theme parks, and more. Wait, wait, wait. Comics? Yep. And movies? Exactly. Video games? Yeah. Metal? Of course. How does theme parks fit in this? It just does. All of us Metal Geeks can be found at metalgeeks.net. At Metal Geeks for Twitter, Metal Geeks on Instagram, and Metal Geeks on the Facey Space. You can also find us on iTunes. Subscribe today. Metal Geeks! My name is Oliver Queen. After six years of being a vigilante, the only way to achieve my goal and save my city was to confess to being the Green Arrow. Now, my family and friends must carry on my mission without me. I am no longer a hero. I am inmate 4587. And we're back. And like I talked about at the top of the show, uh, we're talking about Arrow Season 7. And so, yeah, it, it's kind of crazy to think about the fact that Arrow has been on the screen this long and has launched uh, four other series at this point. Because Black Lightning has nothing to do with Arrow. It was, uh, it was supposed to be a Fox show that Fox just passed on, but, you know, you look at The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl and all that, and now Batwoman, all that grew out of Arrow and what Arrow did, and, you know, it's kind of crazy when I think about it. Well, as the Black Lightning expert here, uh, <laughs> even though 
Black Lightning is not part of the Arrowverse. I will happily say that without... In, I have this worded better. Arrow walked so that Black Lightning could run. Thank you. So that Black Lightning could shock. Okay, fine. You want to one-up me? Fine. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's still complete capability in my mind for Black Lightning to show up at the end of the last season of Arrow. <laughs> and look at all of the stupid antics they have. Tell them to drive turkeys and then just leave. <laughs> yes. I still think that's a possibility. Yes. Season finale done. Drive yes. <laughs> <laughs> so after they've basically given us Oliver Queen every which way that they possibly could, they decided that now it was time to do like a prison drama with Oliver. And so that's how we start our season. And then completely 180 into Oliver being a member of the police force. So, thoughts on Oliver's arc this season? Mike, since you were the one who, like, really, like, uh, like after you finished watching this season, were like, I gotta be on this podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah. Why don't, why, don't you, why don't you start us off talking about this season of Arrow and, and Oliver's journey? So... Let me start off by saying I binged this on Netflix because I because my new job I don't get to watch TV shows like I used to, so I had to so instead of watching it for a week I had to watch it all in one binge, and I think that because I watched it all in one binge I had a I was more immersed into the story, and was and for me season two is the best season that Arrow has ever produced. Season seven is a very close second. I. And I love the start of it because it's Oliver Queen in prison. And I remember back when they were talking when they were talking about doing the movie Supermax. It was going to be Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, locked up in basically in prison with the villains he put in. He put in there, and he has to try and escape or something. It was supposed to be a movie. I can't remember who was going to do it, and I think like the script fell off. Whatever it was the last I heard of it. So seeing Arrow in this prison, I'm like, oh, this this. This is pretty close to the Supermax theory or the idea. So I was really into it and seeing Oliver separated from the group, trying to live that prison life. I was really, really digging how Oliver was trying to cope in prison as someone who's never been there. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and see how he's going to survive with even with seeing his old enemies and, and even I, I, I was it's not Nissa. It's the other Al Ghul daughter. Talia. Talia, thank you. <laughs> There's so many of them. So Talia even showing up, I'm like, what? You got scars, boo? What happened? She was on the island when it blew up. It, it, she was. And seeing her come back, and it was really just good to see just kind of bubble episode or even bubble story with Oliver in, in prison just trying to manage it, especially with who he is. It was amazing to see Bricktop again. Oh, God. Bricktop and Cody Rhodes. I'm like, oh, my heart's a flutter. And of course, Bronze. Yes, Bronze. That was the one that I was really happy to see because somebody told me that he was like killed off off screen. I'm really glad that that wasn't like what happened because I was always like, what happened to Bronze Tiger? Because even when they showed the Suicide Squad in later episodes, it was like he was gone. Yeah. And so I was glad to see that he was still there. Yeah. And oh yeah, Michael J. White played uh, played Bronze Tiger. And so with Oliver going into the prison and then finally able to leave thanks to his team. Then we transform into him becoming everyone knows who he is now. And I was honestly expecting a little bit more of 
scapegoating a bit, especially towards the vigilante side, uh, him being labeled more as a as a villain for everything. And here comes the idea to turn the vigilantes into the cops. And I think one of the things that I think I love the writers for doing this prison story was even was like, you know, it was it's a superhero show. It's a fantasy. You really see the, the hard life that even prison still has. And even leaving it, you're still affected by your time there. And also I commend, I commend Oliver for trying to at least bring in some prison reform ideas, at least to the table, even though, of course, it snowballed into other stuff. But even trying to just find, find his own identity, find his identity with his family, and be turning into the police, turning into the deputized vigilantes was really a cool idea. Because we always knew vigilantes are, are against, they, they work with the police, but the police really don't like them. And seeing that, seeing even that budding of heads when they first all joined together, going against the death, uh, not death sergeant, but the sergeant, who was like, you don't belong here. And just, just like, we need to do things our way. It's like, well, you can't. You have to fill out form A to get to, to, to section F. And <laughs> so here's proper procedure. And trying to see how vigilantes and the police can really coexist even within that realm of the law. And, and just this whole journey for Oliver, about going from that, going into, into this, and then finding out he has a sister was like, wow. And the family, and more of the family drama that I literally thought we were done with. Like, God, like, seriously, Robert Queen, you need to stop. <laughs> you just, you are just ruining everything. And then, and for me personally, because I don't really, I have a relationship with my father, but it's not really a good one. Seeing the turmoil that Stephen uh, Oliver goes into really brought feelings for me because we don't really want to carry the sins of our father. And that's definitely what I've tried to do. It's like, I just want to do everything opposite of him. And Oliver's tried to do that. Here comes his sister. God, I cannot remember her name. What's her name again? Oh, that's awful. It's been so long now that I've forgotten too. Hold on a second. Yeah, but here comes... His, his sister Emiko. and really, Emiko, yeah. So here comes Emiko coming in and just like, hey, by the way, huh? I'm your sister. Your dad did some stuff. Like, oh, more. <laughs> and just, just bringing that reminder again. And now, and he's 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 thinking of his son. And it's like, oh, this is. It was beautiful to watch on screen. It was so beautiful for this. That's why I really keep this season so close to season two now. And it might be because I watched everything in one run, but I just love the journey for Oliver, and I really can't wait to see what the next season's really going to bring for him. Okay. So, um, Ashley, what did you think about uh, Oliver's arc in this one? Yeah, so um, I really liked everything you said, Mike, about watching it in one shot. I think that's an interesting way to watch um, series. And now hearing you talk about it kind of makes me wish that I had experienced the season in that same way. I definitely had different feelings about different parts of the season. Like everything about the prison arc, I absolutely loved. One of my hopes after the previous season was like, oh man, I hope that they don't just stick Oliver in prison for like one or two episodes and then bust him out because yes. <laughs> I was afraid they would do that. So I was really glad that they just left him in there for a long time because I think that's a unique challenge for him. He's trapped in these walls. He's cut off from a lot of the resources he normally has and is kind of having to face some of these traumas from both his legacy, his family's legacy, and he's he just there's no way to escape from it. You have to confront all that. So I really loved everything that happened in the prison. 
and then seeing his family and his friends struggle on the outside, not having that resource. So I really loved all of that. I did not like the second half of the season quite as much. That maybe could be just because I loved the first half so much and the second season didn't feel as connected. But again, maybe that could be because like watching it like from week to week versus watching it as one big arc. But I was surprised actually by how emotional that I felt at the ending of this season because I have been watching Arrow since the very first season. I remember like I saw an article for this TV series. I didn't even know anything about the Green Arrow, but back when I subscribed to Entertainment Weekly, I saw an article about this. I was like, huh, that looks interesting. So I started watching it and I've just been watching it every year since. So it was kind of sad to realize like, oh man, this is actually ending. And then to see him like say goodbye to his family and friends and realizing that this is all going to close and he's not going to necessarily get a happy ending after all he's been through. I wasn't necessarily prepared for that fan. So I'm really curious to see how it is going to wrap up. I think the show has had its ups and downs over the years, I think there is some stuff they can trim out. The second season and then the fifth season, whatever, Adrian Chase was the main villain, are the mm. standouts for me. But there definitely has been some good stuff along the way. So I hope that however it wraps up will be really satisfying. Um, I think they have some good stuff to build off of. But overall, like I said, some ups and downs. But overall, I'm glad I watched the show. And I think there's definitely plenty of stuff to talk about here. Yeah. And James, what do you think about the overall arc for Oliver? Mm, no, it was fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, Lurch joined the podcast. Yeah, no, uh, no, it, was, it was fine. Um, <laughs> like, I, I thought uh, in agreement with, with what was just said. Like, There were definitely aspects of the season that I did really enjoy. I thought the whole prison arc was really cool. I always love seeing Michael Jai White. If they could put Michael Jai White in literally anything. I'd be just over the roof about it because uh, I just I've I've watched his career since I was uh, you know very young. Like one of my all time favorite movies is Black Dynamite. I love that movie so much. So it was just it was really good to see him in the season and have them bring that character back. I really liked the bad guy in the prison because they did such a good job. I felt of kind of making a red herring of him where it's like, he's just this really weird kind of creepy dude. And you're just like, what, what's his game? What's he's, what, what, what's he getting at? Like, I like, why is he suddenly so attached? I mean, like he kind of gives explanation. And then like, next thing you know, he's like, it, it's the same kind of thing that hit me with the movie predators. Uh, when they, when they did that with Adrian Brody, and you look at, uh, I, I always think of him as Red Foreman's kid uh, from that 70s show. But like where towards the end of that movie, like suddenly it's revealed like, no, he's like some kind of creepy psychopath who just flies under the radar really well. So I kind of I kind of had that same semblance for that character. So I thought that was really good. There were definitely aspects of the season that I was, I, I don't know. I still don't know how I feel about the whole like, well, we're vigilantes who aren't vigilantes that are actually part of the police force, but we still do things the vigilante way. I get like all the explanation and I thought it was an interesting arc, but I was just like, but is that how this ever works? Like, that's too easy. It's way too easy because <laughs> yeah. like anytime you see like in the comics, like with the vigilantes, at least in my experience, it's always been like they work outside the law, which the law is never ever ever remotely okay with and so like <laughs> i've never seen that aspect of like yeah you're deputized now oh wait what <laughs> so but no i mean i i liked uh I, I liked the character development as a whole for the entire season as far as like the development with oliver um his evolution from really 
like again, starting at the bottom, kind of in that place, very similar to the island after, you know, uh, Robert's death and everything. So, you know, he's just in this really bad place and he has to adapt and evolve to the environment that he's in. And I feel like he did that really well in the way of like, instead of going Oliver season one, I just murder everyone, Hmm. which I adored. (laughs) (laughs) He he just, he instead goes the route of, no, I'm, I'm going to try not to engage and prove the path of peace. The whole like psychological thing with the shrink, I thought was really interesting where he basically like could like he himself is kind of a bad guy. Like nobody in this prison are good people, very obviously like guards or otherwise. And he kind of convinces Oliver that no, you are the way you are because of only your father. You feel an obligation, but everybody in your family from your father forward, you're all broken and you're never going to be better because of that. And it was like, wow, like, wow. Like, I don't know. You just you just destroyed a man <laughs> on so many <laughs> levels. So it like I I thought that was interesting. I thought um just seeing the way as said the rest of the characters interacted without Oliver around Felicity's evolution as a character. You know, she's really between like kind of the end of last season and into this season. Like she's really kind of come into her own in many, many ways, where she's just this very strong character. She's no longer just like the nerdy girl that fawns after the muscles guy and all that. Like they've really made her her own stable character and everything. So I, I've appreciated all of the development that they did. So yeah, I don't know. Overall, I thought it was good. I wasn't disappointed. It's definitely better than Damien Dark. And that arc. <laughs> <laughs> or Rachel Ghoul. Or or Rachel Ghoul. How they bungled that character. Yeah, too short. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I really loved it. I think, actually, James, that you hit the nail on the head of how the two halves of the season are connected. Because it's basically that episode and the idea of the Robert Queen legacy, you know, causes nothing but destruction is what sort of, like, you know, fall into the whole Emiko arc of, you know, destroying... I mean, she's basically our Kylo Ren, right, for this season, which is like, destroy the past, you know? Like, you know, I'll forget that I'm a queen, and, you know, I'll throw all that away, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, destroy everything that Robert Queen ever loved, etc., etc. So, yeah, I mean, we had that whole psychological aspect. We had the idea of legacy, which then feeds into the idea of Oliver's legacy and what he's going to leave for his children. Know, which which also feeds into Felicity being pregnant and everything there. So Oliver's got the two children, and then we have you know the whole idea of of, of Oliver being out of prison, but also publicly known as the Green Arrow, which you know makes me laugh because you know in the comics the Flash is the guy that everyone knows who his identity is, and yet in the Berlanti verse they are like hell bent to keep that from happening. But like Oliver is the guy that comes clean as yeah I'm Oliver Queen. So it was it's interesting to me because even though, yeah, I think on some episodes they got a bit of a pass, you know, being vigilantes and, and, and being endorsed. I think a lot of the thrust of the season, though, was that that behavior wasn't going to be tolerated. And if anything, that got a little old just because of the repetition of, okay, Oliver, you're a loose cannon, you know, give you a warning this time. And okay, Oliver, we'll give you a warning next time. But eventually it did come to a head. You know, so to me, we did get to that point where they were like, we're, we're through with this whole thing. So that worked for me, even if it did take a while to get there. So, yeah, I liked the arc that they gave to Oliver in this, too. And I'm actually really interested in the whole idea of him, you know, going off with the monitor at the end. Because I feel like season t- eight is probably going to be like the prelude to Crisis on Infinite Earths. And, and that we're basically going to get like 
nine episodes of preparation for that, and then the tenth episode is the crossover. But we'll see. Yeah, my, yeah, the monitor showing up at the end. That actually that that caught me. That caught me some heavy fills because I'm like, oh yeah, we're here with the family. That's cool. Marge, it's time. What do you mean? It's like, <gasps> the crossover. No, <laughs> it's now. Holy crap! Yeah, when we saw the flash forward, the Felicity raising. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, Oliver was only there for the birth, and then he was gone every time we see him after that. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> I think that the deal Oliver made, quote-unquote, to save Barry and Kara is, you know, something where, where he's not going to be able to be around for Mia. Now, I didn't expect the Monitor to just show up and be like, it's time. I thought that what's going to be is like, Oliver would be with them up until the crossover, and then he would die. You know, that's what I was thinking was going to be what happened. But I was already kind of thinking that way, that the deal was going to keep him. It was like, I'll give my life for theirs or something along those lines. So uh, I'm very curious to see how the next season plays out from that standpoint. Yeah, I completely forgot about it because the only thing I saw live was, in fact, the three, the crossover fails world. That was it. And I had to, and then I binged this, went out to the crossover. I'm like, skip, watched it. And I'm regretting it because the whole time that when they went to the future stuff, it's like, who, where's, where is Oliver at? And it's like, oh, he's with Felicity and me as a kid. We saw him. Wait. Oh, God. No! You're a monster! <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that hit me hard. <laughs> So it's kind of funny to me because Berlanti seems obsessed with the 2040s because uh, if you recall from Legends, that's when Zari came from. That's where we're seeing Star... You know, we saw a flash forward to Star City and Legends of Tomorrow in the season. We're now seeing the, the 2040, you know, Star City in the Arrow flash forwards. And then also the Flash, Nora, came from 2049. And so it's like, okay, guys, can't you pick, like, different years to, like, do this stuff in? It seems like you've all, you're only interested in showing the future from a particular decade. So what did you guys think about the flash-forward motif and how they kind of, like, try to tie that into the whole idea of the legacy and everything? Do you think that that worked? Do you wish that they had just kept the stories, you know, just focused on the present? Or, you know, how, how did that, you know, how did that work for you? So, Ashley, why don't we start with you for that? Sure. I'm still kind of trying to decide how I feel about the flash forwards. Um, I really liked the flashbacks that the show used to use until they, you know, ran out of his five years on the island to flashback to. I thought those were really interesting and provide some cool ways to illuminate the characters. I don't think that the flash forwards necessarily worked quite as well, but I think they one thing that they did do is kind of add to this sense of kind of like unsettling dread, like you're flashing forward to the future, you know, kind of what characters are there, what characters are not. Again, like others have mentioned, Oliver is very obviously not a part of this flash forward stuff. So you're wondering what's going on, what happened, how have things gotten so bad so quickly? So I think it does kind of work to maybe build intrigue for this final season here, but I don't think I cared for it as much as I cared for the flashbacks just as a personal choice. You know, what's interesting to me is that the one omission, the one character who we don't see or hear anything about is Diggle. Yes, that is really mm -hmm. interesting as well. I think that that's going to be a big question mark over this next season is Diggle's fate. 
because yeah, I, I'm a little worried for him. Yeah, <laughs> because I... he's not there at all. No one even mentions him. Like, I mean, other than the fact that you know, um, Connor was his adopted son, but other than just mentioning that fact, it's like no talk of Diggle at all. Yeah, and I definitely don't see a character who just like disappear off the grid to mm-hmm. go have his own like happy life. Like, if he's not involved, there's a reason. So I, I feel bad. I don't think Oliver or Diggle are going to be finding a happy ending in the crossover. And I guess we we shall see. James, what did you think about the flat words? God, I hated them for the most part. It's the one part of this season that I was just, every time they happened, like, I didn't mind the flashbacks for the first, like, I don't know, two, three seasons. I'll say three-ish, because, as I said, like, it it did lend, like, some... Hong Kong got tedious to me. Yeah. I I really had problems with Hong Kong. Yeah, like it, it was just like it was like like it, it gave backstory, but like there was a point in even the flashbacks where I was like, okay, there's only so much backstory I need on on <laughs> Oliver. Like I don't I don't care what he was doing. Yeah, in Hong Kong, like I was like I I don't how like I don't care. It doesn't it doesn't make him like a more elite guy other than oh they taught him how to just torture people really <laughs> hardcore. But that's about it. Like I and so I grew to a point where I couldn't stand those. And so at the point they're like. The season that had no flashbacks of any kind, and I was like, "Oh, thank you, Jess." Um, and I felt like like they had a lot more time to do a whole lot more character development in that. And whether they got there or not is debatable, <laughs> as as our last podcast about that went. But it was one of those where, yeah, they did flash forwards in this, and all I could think every time it was happening is I was like, "But what is the means to the end of this? Like, what are we trying?" What are you trying to communicate? Because Oliver's not present. Diggle's not present. Other than establishing, like, a separate generation of, like, underground vigilantes who clearly the police are back to not being on the side of vigilantes. Because that's all it did for me. I was like, so the whole police are okay with vigilantes thing. That's temporary. Clearly. What exactly leads to that? We don't know. And they do kind of explain it. But it was one of those where I was just like, I just, again, I just don't understand why. Like, what's the purpose? What's the end game to get there other than showing us a clip at the very end to be like and then she went to her husband to heaven to where we don't know and i was just like oh i mean great but simultaneously like your kids are like we've had a crap relationship mom we'd love to have a better relationship and you just kind of go yeah you'll be okay on your own and then out the door you go i was like yeah emily and bet records wanted out which i kind of understand it's only a half season next season so you know if you're an actor and you want to find another gig it's probably better to get out now and try to get in you know at the beginning of next season with some other show than you know do the half season yeah so i was just i don't know i i couldn't stand them for the most part like they didn't do anything to to make a better story because uh, all in all i i i felt like i was just watching two different stories happen because nothing that was in the future was really having a whole lot to do with what what the main story of the past was (laughs) other than clearly we become a dystopian future where vigilantes don't nobody likes them in star city and there's like some sort of like weird uber super duper police that is out there just eliminating them because yet again felicity made some (laughs) sort of technology that fell into the wrong hands and had nothing to do to stop it Uh, and so is now that's the new fight but other than that yeah i I don't know why she ever trusted that girl that worked with caden james every time ever since she first appeared i was like felicity don't trust this girl 
don't trust this girl. I and but you know they she would show up every now and then you know and would be like oh yeah see I'm a gear too blah 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 and so she never did anything and I was like oh okay maybe they just wanted Felicity to have a geeky nerd friend even though she still seems all kinds of shady and then what happens she steals Felicity's tech again right <laughs> it's just like, like you know, ah, he did this to you once he didn't learn a lesson oh that was just so frustrating to me because I never trusted that girl <sighs> anyway did you have anything more to say james nope okay uh <laughs> my, what how did you feel about the flash forwards i wasn't expecting it because i too saw it's like all right well we've already done enough flashbacks of the island screw that island what else we got <laughs> it's like goes down the small memory lane to season one it's like nope flash forward to oh future stuff what is this what william all all adult now and blatantly gay just, I, I, I got, I didn't mind it that he was a gay character. It was just the fact that it's like, what, you in love with Felicity? No, she's my, no, I'm gay. And she's my mom. I'm like, oh, okay, dude. Okay, back up, back up. We understood. We're cool. We're cool. Like, that was just such an attack. Like, I'm so sorry he was offended. But the flash forwards, I didn't mind that story of, and I found that story to be about William and Mia. Because we definitely got to the point where William is, oh my god, when William actually called his grandparents, it's like, I need to have a normal life. I'm like, oh, bro, you do not call the grandparents behind pseudo-mom's back. Ooh. And they never explained why William never answered Oliver's calls. I mean, I think what you're supposed to think is the grandparents intercepted them and, like, deleted the calls because, you know, he was like, you never called me after I left. And, you know, but yet we clearly see Oliver calling and trying to get a hold of him after he left. So I'm still not sure what exactly happened there, other than that maybe the grandparents were supposed to have, like, you know, like, gotten rid of those calls. But that, that kind of bothered me that I was like, what, what exactly happened there? And that we never really got an explanation I for thought it. There, I thought there was an explanation, but I had that same thought. I was like, okay, I guess the grandparents are bad, or really just cutting everything off. But I could have sworn that, there was, that they did explain it in the future. But, yeah, that, that was definitely a plot hole. William and Mia trying to get together. It's like, oh, it's Oliver's son. And then the actual daughter of both just trying to fix their family's uh, quote unquote legacy. Just trying to. And, and of course, it's like Felicity didn't learn a thing. Just trying to push the kids back, do it on her own. And it's like, Felicity, girl, you, you single white female this. You did. Let, <laughs> let the kids help. <laughs> well, after after we've had like seven seasons of Felicity getting on Oliver's case for, oh, you can't be the loner. You got to accept help from people, blah, blah, blah. And then for her to go that way herself was just kind of like, really? Yeah. And <laughs> That's not character progression. That's like character <laughs> regression. <laughs> but, it was, but for the flash forward, it was cool to see... Because I definitely was experiencing, from what I saw in the flash forward, and then going back into the present time, really the cause and effect. Because we definitely saw Wildcat just, first off, as the mayor. And it's like, whoa, cool. You mean Wild Dog. Wild Dog, sorry. Wild, wild Dog. Wildcat's completely different character who they killed off in season three. Would have been way cooler if they brought him back Oh, yeah. They, <laughs> I know. <True. laughs> For Wild Dog to be mayor, and then of course his daughter was pushing him. It's like, hey, you should run for gut. You should run for office. You like the people? Nah, that ain't for me. It's like, hey, look, I'm the man now. What up? <laughs> <laughs> Just really seeing that progression of even for even for Wild Dog, he became the villain uh, a little bit. Basically, he did become the villain 
it for the flash forward. And it's like, what drove you to this? So I had to look back at the present time. It's like, okay, so it's the vigilante stuff, the whole Emiko thing. You trusted her, blah, 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 blah. It's like the arrow system. Okay, cool. I still missed some parts there that really turned them into why you went this direction for the glades. We really didn't get to that part of why the glaze really shut itself off or what was really the culmination besides just the fact that vigilantes did bad things, which was thanks to Emiko and her Highlander partner. <laughs> can't, can't wait to talk about him. All right. So, so, so here's my, uh, so here's my take on that. I think the idea is that to clean up the glades, he had to make deals with, with shady people who wanted things from him. And so basically to help his own community, he had to sacrifice other It's one of those things where you start down a slippery slope of, as you're trying to do a good thing, you have to make deals with people who are bad people. And then that leads to you being like sort of in over your head and owing them favors. And then that's how it sort of developed and sprawled into the whole thing of, you know, we're just going to like completely like destroy, you know, star city and like start over and rebuild and everything. And he was kind of like locked into that course from all the things that these people had helped him do you know, for the glades. So I think that's what you were supposed to get out of that. Okay, I mean, it's, and that's uh, that's pretty accurate. Now I'm hearing it. That's why. Okay, I can go with that. I can go with that. No, it's all conjecture on my part. I didn't spell it out and connect all the dots, but that's what I sort of imagined from what they did show us. But it was cool just to see a little bit of the future and then seeing the characters in that future. It's like because especially with uh, with Dinah, it's like she had that scar on her neck. It's like, ooh, what happened to her? Go back to the present. Oh, that's what happened to her. Ooh. <laughs> that was really, really shocking when they had that, where your throat got cut. I was like, whoa. I was like, oh, wait, I know she survives because I've seen the flash forward. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the whole Canary Network and, of course, seeing, and I'm sorry, I'm, not, I'm actually forgetting their real names, but seeing Wild Dog's daughter Zoe. become a Canary, that was that was pretty cool. I really did. I, I enjoyed the flash forward. I think they probably needed a few more episodes of it or some a little more details to really tie it in together or even closer align it. Maybe in season eight, there that will be the bridge to really see that future. And the fact that Felicity has been doing basically all of this just to get to the AT monitor and get back to Oliver, that, that was a tearjerker a bit. It's like, wow, girl, I feel that. And now I'm wondering how how the how that crossover is going to go. It's like, are we going to get like an old Felicity, or what's going? Or how it makes me ask, how is Arrow going to end? Because like, because that's the end goal is that Felicity joins Oliver wherever. And I feel like did she just commit suicide, or did he murder? How would you classify this on the will? Or are they just in a different universe and can never return to their original? Negative 52, understood. Next. Uh, yeah. I don't know how they're going to spin that. But yeah, I thought that was strange because she says, I haven't seen him in so long. So it sounds like he's not dead, except maybe it is like an idea of, you know, you're going to go to the afterlife or something. So who knows, you know, what that. I heard Tahiti's nice this time of year. <laughs> it's a magical place. Yep. Uh, all right. So, so what I took out of the, the end story, I mean, it was... Uh, you know, we've already seen that Star City goes to pot in that Legends of Tomorrow episode where they showed the future. You know, we've already seen the future's a really dark place because they also have you know, where Zari comes from. You know, I know Legends just changed that. But, you know, it was it's, it's supposed to be like, you know, America doesn't seem like it's all that great, you know, in the 2040s. But I think what they were trying to show is that what started continues. 
you know, on into the next generation. And that even though things get really dark and really bad, there are going to be people that he inspired, you know, even if it's like second or third generation of inspiration, you know, like, you know, people who are inspired by people that Oliver inspired, that that fight continues. And I also think it was a way of showing us how certain characters end up that aren't going to show up in season eight. Like, I'm not sure we're going to see Dinah again, and I'm not sure we're going to see Renee again or any of them. I think that this was their way of showing us that, hey, you know, this is where their story goes, and this is what happened to them. You know, and as a way of sort of like wrapping things up as we go into this season that has to do more with the, the crisis. I could be wrong about that. That was sort of my thinking on that, is that they're like, we have a short season, we can't have all these characters, so we'll sort of like give you like their ending now, so that you can we can sort of wrap them up. So, yeah, that was my take on it anyway. I actually didn't mind the flash forwards because of that. I kind of liked seeing how things turned out. I, I didn't really care as much about the kids, but I liked seeing things like, oh, this is where Zoe ends up, this is where, you know, Renee ends up. I mean, the whole idea of Renee, who's always been like, you know, the loose cannon whose heart was all in the right place being, like, the politician who's in over his head, that was heartbreaking to me. Mm-hmm. You know, because he has become the corrupt official, right? You know, and it's just like, oh, God, Renee, you know, you have fallen so far from where you were. And, you know, Sina, you know, being the one, like, leading the resistance and everything was pretty cool, so... You know, I liked all of that. I, I liked seeing, you know, that future for that. So I didn't find it as... And, and they didn't do it every episode is the other point. And so it's not like in, se- in the previous seasons when they did flashbacks to the island where it was like, no matter what, we're having a flashback in this episode. You know, I think maybe only like two-thirds of the episodes had flash or forwards. So in a way, they did. If like the episode needed to just deal with the present, they did. So I don't think they became excessive. But also, oh, God, how can I, like, not mention the fact that Roy was there? Yes. And that was the thing that had me happy right from the beginning, is it's like, yeah, Roy. I have no idea why he's on Lee and you, even though I can guess after what we saw when he turned up in the present. Uh, I have no idea why he's on Lee and you, but, oh, man, Roy's coming back into it. And so it was great having having Roy back and, you know, having him sort of be like this sort of reluctant hero that's joining in with them. That, that I thought was cool, too. But, yeah, so um, we had some departures. We mentioned Felicity leaving, but uh, we also had Curtis leave this season. So how do you guys feel about that? Um, let's start with you time, James. Uh, sorry, about who leaving? Both uh, Felicity and Curtis. I love Curtis. I really do. <laughs> Even when he's slightly annoying to me, he's not that annoying. Um, I just, I really enjoy his character. I think in terms of the arc of his season, like he made some like super valid points and like working, you know, with the government and being like, but that's like horribly morally wrong. And I don't agree with doing it. And if that's how you guys do business, I'm out. Like I'm done, man. <laughs> So I really appreciate it. Like, he's a character who always stands by his moral fiber. Like, I've never felt like he lets himself be compromised. Whereas, like, you'll watch you'll watch Diggle, who has a military history. And, you know, and sometimes that's the cost in the military is, you know, it's just like, sometimes you have to do bad things to save good people. And it was just like, mm, do you know? <laughs> so the fact that, you know, at any time, like, you know, Digg- Diggle's kind of trying to sell that to him. And he's like, yeah, no, not at all. Like, I, I don't roll that way. And I appreciate the fact that he found, like, a creative way of, like, moving around it and, like, getting the information. It was just like, listen, I don't agree with it. Let's put them in a virtual reality where they think everything's happening. But it's not, and we still get the information, and I don't 
compromise my morality. And I was just like, that's why that's why Chris is super smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why he ever got into partnership with Felicity, but uh, <laughs> he should just do his own thing. So, yeah, so it's just one of those where I, I appreciated his arc. It is sad to see him leave the show. But at the same time, I feel like they made his 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 exit a very logical exit for him as the character is. I was like, you know what? I'm OK with it. Felicity, on the other hand. Yeah, I don't know. I just <laughs> it was so <laughs> like, A, it was just that whole like, like I said, like there was this really arc for the first half of the season where we really built her up. And it was just like, you know, she's become strong in her own right and in all this. And she's like her own like hero amongst the heroes she helps. And like, it was great. And then it's like they do these flash forwards and we just throw all of that into the gutter where it's just like, nope, I'm just going to go back to the same things I did that were mistakes in the past that I should have learned from. And I'm not going to. And I was like, (laughs) oh, uh, okay. Um, And the, the end, I don't know. The end just felt really like it was very sweet and sentimental. But it also felt really kind of abrupt. Like I said, I I think what bothered me about it is both of her children being like, okay, we have horrible relationship with, or uh, horrible <laughs> relationships with you. We fought really hard to save you, to find you and protect you so that we could like be a family again. And she just kind of goes, yep, you don't need me. You're good on your own. And like gave it like it almost felt like she could have gave him like two little like shooter fingers. Just there you go. Um, and then just like peaced out. And I was like, that's, that's what we run into. OK. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, Felicity. Yeah, it seemed like you tried to rush her storyline because we go from her being like, I'm going to carry guns and I'm going to do whatever because I'm a tough woman who don't need no man anymore. You know, even when Oliver comes back to, oh, I'm pregnant. Now it's time for me to, you know, be like the pregnant lady, you know, <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I well, and it was great. It was just like, I'm pregnant. We're going to protect this child. And then we're immediately going to develop a, uh, a security system. <laughs> that... She went all be Stark. Yeah, she gets very <laughs> Tony Stark. And then like her AI totally backfires on her. And it's just like, you like what? whole like you went full circle you clearly never watched those movies you needed right. to put it into a body and call it something that's not vision because of copyrights right. Right. oh god yeah like yeah she, she stopped short of saying she was going to put a suit of armor around the world <laughs> <laughs> mike what do you think about um losing curtis and felicity i uh didn't know we lost curtis no oh. He, he actually said, I am leaving. <laughs> I thought he was going to come back just next season. Just like, you know, just not a series regular. Just uh, it's like, hey, I'm in town for. Well, I mean, I don't know that he will not show up in a single episode next season, but he is no longer past. Yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, he left like midway through this season and only came back for the finale. So, yeah, it's, he's 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 out. But yeah, he might show up as a cameo because, I mean, they do that all the time. Yeah. You know, sometimes you'll see yeah. him for an episode. Even Tommy, we keep seeing, <laughs> even though he's been dead since season one. Hey, I did enjoy that. I did enjoy Tommy coming back and being like, I'm in your subconscious and you're an idiot. And I was like, yes, right. finally, somebody just told it to him. <laughs> well, I feel like the Tommy cameos are now such a part of the series that they need to have one Tommy cameo per season. You know, I mean, it's just yeah. part of the show. So, But Curtis, I love Curtis because he was the crap. I had the term, but he was the moral center. You know, he was the he was the Jiminy Cricket for everyone, really. That's funny, because I always describe Diggle as the Jiminy Cricket for like, Oliver. Yeah, but that's for Oliver. Sorry. But Curtis does it for the whole team, because even Jiminy Cricket needs his okay. own Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> it's Jiminy Crickets all the way down. 
it's a good uh good life because <laughs> yeah, he was going up against when he was going against the wishes of argus because argus is just this is how we have to do it it's not the only way but it is the most quickest and efficient and he's like no it's not and how he definitely breaks ricardo diaz i'm like ooh, ooh, find a child that was good that was because i got scared i'm like oh, ricardo diaz just actually killed people and he's like ah, now ah, it's a hologram like, oh, oh stupid you're a smart man how dare you and just even seeing like the suicide squad i'm sorry the ghost protocol sorry up again was was pretty cool but curtis I will, I will miss him then if he's not coming back, you know, as a regular. But he had to do what he did. That was a smart move for the character because he just he couldn't go through with what Argus wanted done. He was too nice a person. He had too hard of a moral fiber, and that's respectable. And at the end of the day, Diggle, as furious as he was, just about it, he's like, I understand. That's a smart direction to go, and you, you have no choice but to let that happen. Uh, I do agree. No clue why Curtis joined forces with Felicity. <laughs> bad business. She, she, she's just a bad business person. And if you don't believe us, where's Palmer Tech? Yeah. Hmm? Okay. But Curtis leaving, that's that's going to hurt a little bit because I'm really wanting to see. I, I'm now wondering for a season of Arrow, who I know Diggle is, of course, Oliver's Jiminy Cricket, but who's going to be the team's Jiminy Cricket? Who's really going to keep Wild Dog from really going to that extra step. Curtis Hotham, who always had Dinah's back when having to make those tough decisions. That was Curtis. Curtis was, as much as we love Felicity, and she was the original backbone, Curtis filled in that void much better because Felicity gradually was going down this darker path. And it's not really, and as much as that therapist said it was Oliver's fault, it really wasn't. It was just the life that was going on. And Curtis still wanted to have that normality. And he just, and he kept a hold of it pretty much as he could. And he just was there as everybody's moral compass. That's the word, compass. That's why I was forgetting. <laughs> he really was the moral compass of the team. And now with that moral compass gone, who's going to be able to fill in that void? Even if it is just for 10 episodes. I wonder, with Oliver going off with the monitor, if we're even going to have stars. Because, I mean, the whole ending was like, oh, well, the city's in good hands now. So that's why I'm wondering if we're even going to go back to the team at all. I think Oliver might recruit Diggle because I, you know, I haven't heard anything about Diggle leaving the show and Diggle has been a part of the show since the beginning. So I think we might pull Diggle into whatever mm -hmm. Oliver's doing. But I, I, I do wonder uh, how much the city and the team is going to be part of this next season. Cause I still think it's going to be like Oliver and the monitor hopping around to parallel earths and doing stuff. But I don't know. We'll, we'll definitely see about that part. Ashley, what did you think about Felicity and Curtis leaving? Yeah, so um, I'm glad to hear all the nice things being said about Curtis, because I feel like the poor guy sometimes takes some flack online, at least from some fans that I've heard. So I think that it was a good time for him to depart. I think like at a certain point, you've done, you've like, you've gone through the arcs with the characters and you don't want to necessarily regret, regress with them. So I felt like this was a good time for him to wrap up and I enjoyed seeing him. I thought he brought some fun to the team and like the others have said, um, also kind of served as a moral compass in some ways. So I enjoyed seeing him on the show, but I think it was uh, fair that it was kind of, it was time to wrap up that character. For Felicity, I feel like she's been kind of on a unique journey throughout the show. When they first introduced her, 
I really liked her character just because I thought she was kind of relatable. Um, She's a geeky girl like I am, kind of awkward sometimes. And I just thought she was a unique female character to see in a superhero show. She was super smart. And then I don't know that I always loved how they handled her relationship with Oliver. I did not like their relationship drama and then kind of what came out of her character with that I felt they kind of changed her character she didn't feel true to herself and then the relationship drama just got a bit much and I was like either break up or get together but please just choose let's stop going back and forth here so then once they actually kind of got their ship uh, worked out I kind of came around to liking her character more again I think that in some of the later seasons they did her character a disservice a little bit but I think that Early season Felicity uh, is still my favorite the first couple seasons, but it was nice to see her and Oliver kind of come to a better relationship and kind of put some of that drama behind them. Although it is hard, like being in a relationship with a superhero would definitely not be easy, especially someone that is trying to maintain a secret identity and you can't really have a normal life and judging by the end of this season, like they won't have a normal life. Like Oliver is going to have to pay this past debt, get to see his daughter grow up. So it it is challenging. Um, I think they could have done more to handle her character better. But overall, I did enjoy the character and um, was glad what she brought to the show. Just wish sometimes that maybe she had been used a little better. Hmm. Yeah, I've had like uh, uh, difficulties with Felicity over time, uh, not just because of the relationship drama, which honestly, the thing where she left Oliver because he didn't tell her about the son, when even the son's mom's no, like he wanted to tell you so badly, and I was the one that said, you can't have a relationship with your son if you tell anyone. So, you know, at that point, I felt like Felicity should have been like, oh, okay, he wasn't keeping secrets from me. This was, he was basically put in like a horrible situation by and that like that always really bothered me i, I always yeah. felt i always felt though that felicity was just a little too over the top i mean i get the whole geeky girl thing but like the whole thing where she could like never ever like say like anything that wasn't like goofy or awkward like i was just like it's too much and so i had a hard time swallowing her just as a as a like a person that really existed <laughs> you know in this world and then there was, like, the episodes where she would whine that, like, you guys get to go off and fight, and I don't. And then she got a scar, and she was like, oh, I got a scar. And I was just like, oh, God, it's so tedious. <laughs> but anyways, so, yeah, I felt like ever since they introduced Curtis, though, that was the best thing that ever happened to Felicity. Because he started leeching off a lot of those, like lines that I hated that she said and like she was able to become a much more mature character as a result of that and I liked her a lot more after that so yeah I mean it's kind of it's kind of you know sad to see her go in that respect although like like others have mentioned I felt like in the second half of this season uh, she wasn't anywhere near as interesting as she has been and they kind of like rushed her into the conclusion and both my wife and I were kind of like so after finding your kids again you're going to abandon them. <laughs> oh, that's your end that's your end game. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But yeah, Curtis said see Curtis go, but I completely get it because I mean his role in the show was kind of gone, you know, and the fact that he was working for Argus and he just was cool with some of the things he had to do there, so they certainly made it make story sense, so that got all wrapped up. I guess the next thing I want to ask about cuz you know, I've said now for two seasons that the show has a canary problem. Because, you know, at any given time, you have, like, you know, three different canaries. 
uh, especially when Sarah shows up. So uh, how do you think? So they definitely address that this season. Dinah loses her canary cry. We have the development with Laurel, and uh, we even have Sarah show up. So what do you guys think of that whole storyline and how they, you know, sort of spun off that and even into the future with the, the canary becoming like the sort of blanket name for this like sort of network in the city? I really went, so Laurel's character development for this, and she, and God willing, she was trying. She was trying to be, <laughs> she was trying to be uh, the upstanding lawyer. She was trying to be oh, that. Oh, okay. Table. I thought you were saying Katie Cassidy was trying to act. Oh, rude, <laughs> sir. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> this is mean. <laughs> no, I meant she was trying to actually, well. Well, it was Katie Cassidy acting as Laurel, acting as right. Laurel. <laughs> uh, You're like, she was really trying. It just sounded like somebody who was just like, oh, she did such a bad job. No, she was really trying. No, she, <laughs> no. Katie definitely, I thought, I like Katie more as this direction of Laurel than what we had previously, even when she became a superhero. This dark, this uh, dark canary, the black canary storyline for her, it, I love her acting for it. It really just went evil and just had fun with it with this laurel trying to be this earth laurel just trying to upstand what her father god how does how does his name escape my brain oh quentin quentin thank you trying to we actually got to see a brief cameo of made me cry when they showed the recording made me cry too it was trying to upstand to quentin's ideal what he wanted for her it was a really good thing she was trying even felicity on board because you know she needed a gal pal because his her her gal pal was in prison, and it, they worked out pretty well. And every the team was warming up to it. And here comes Oliver ruining it in a sense. In a sense, he's he's been locked away. And I like that Laura was still fighting for him. And even though he didn't want it, it's like no, shut up. I'm doing it not for you, but for my gal pal Friday. <laughs> But Laurel, and then but Laurel went back to being Black Siren. That's the word, Black Siren. And she had a small little stint. And the fact that we had White Canary come in, Sarah just walking in, it's like, oh, yeah, you're not my real sister. But in a sense, like, yeah, <laughs> you can do it, Sarah. Find the white. Find the white in her soul. <laughs> and I really dug having the three canaries back to back to back like that. And even now with Dinah losing her voice, Black Siren being more prominent. And just the fact that even her criminal past got creeped up because of Emiko. Like, she st- she she had a chance to run, but she took the moral high ground and just went with the punishment. It's like, yeah. And then the future turning the Canary Network. Good marketing. That was some good marketing. Because, <laughs> you know, we can't use Twitter. We can't do tweets. <laughs> we, got the, we, we got we got the canary network wow. <laughs> birds oh i sort of like the idea that they it's almost like a meta commentary on the fact that they've had too many canaries in the series that it's like in the future we're gonna have even more so you know <laughs> so what are you gonna do with them boys it works it really works uh yeah. I, it was really nice to see the three canaries again and even Mm-hmm. Even now, knowing in the future that Wild Dog's daughter becomes a canary herself, and and that's the coolest thing about being a canary too, because we we recognize a canary as the original Dinah, who sog scream, kick at, uh, kick butt, martial arts like she she's a whole package there. But with these canaries, we have one that's now that can kick butt. The other one, 
is a former assassin who really is actually really bad at her job as an assassin now. She's really gotten lax. Just saying. <laughs> and then we have one who has the power. And now when we see that Wild Dog Star became a canary herself, it's not just about being a meta. It's not just about being the power. It's really the canaries seem to have taken its own shape as an ideal, as a as an idea. Yeah, I really like that. No, I, I agree with you, and that's and I like that too. Like I said, I think it's a little bit of a meta canary, but I like that because I mean that's the thing. In the comics, there's only the one black canary, you know, but here it's kind of become like this mantle. And it's like multiple people can have that mantle at the same time. And I thought that that was kind of nice how they sort of spun that out from that. Yep, we are, we are Canary. Right. Yeah, which works a whole lot better than we are the Flash. Um, but <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um, <laughs> Ashley, what did you think about uh, how they how they developed the Canary storyline? I'm really glad that someone else went first on this one because I'd actually kind of forgotten all the things that had happened with all the canaries. So now it's fresh in my mind, so I feel like I can more (laughs) competently answer this question. So thank you for that. Sure, sure. You know what's interesting is that if in the first season someone told me that there's going to be this many canaries and layers of things going on, like I would have said it sounds like a bad idea. It's really confusing and convoluted, but I think they really made it work. I was surprised to see Laurel's death back in whatever season that was. I, I can't remember quite which one that is. And then I thought it was a really interesting way to bring her back as kind of like a dark version of herself. And then to allow her to kind of have that slow redemption arc and for her to kind of come closer to the laurel that we used, the original laurel that we used to know. I enjoyed seeing her uh, relationship with Quentin. He's one of my all-time favorite Arrow characters. Still sad thinking about the fact that he's gone, but I just loved influence in kind of like Dark Laurel's life really made an impact in their relationship. I mean, when you think about all the tragedy that's happened in Oliver Queen's family, just about as much tragedy has happened in the Lance family and just how that has affected everybody differently. So it was cool to see Laurel kind of find some of that light again. I also enjoyed seeing her and Felicity be buddies and work on projects together. I feel like we don't always get to see enough of female friendships, especially like superhero shows and movies. So I really enjoyed seeing that, them work together and kind of their banter back and forth. And it's always great to see Sarah show up as the White Canary. Um, I need to get caught up on Legend tomorrow. I'm really behind, but I always enjoy seeing her pop up in any of these shows. And I've also enjoyed seeing Dinah be a part of this story, too. I wasn't sure how I'd feel about her just because I was used to Laurel being the Canary. But I think she does enough to kind of be her own version of the Canary and bring a unique flair to the team. So overall, I I really enjoyed what they did with it. I think it's kind of neat that they left it open-ended with the idea of there being more canaries, that the story, the adventure continues. We necessarily see that on screen. I don't even know if we really need to see it on screen, but it's kind of nice to know that there are still people out there carrying on this legacy. Maybe they'll pick it up later. Maybe they won't, but kind of a nice, nice open way to end that storyline, I think. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that also that the CW has created a, a an interconnected universe there with their show. So even if we don't see certain characters again in the last 10 episodes of Arrow, that doesn't mean we won't see them show up on The Flash or in Legends of Tomorrow or Batwoman or any of these other shows. So, I mean, yeah, I definitely think the story will continue for all these characters. The, there's potential to go new places with them. The other thing I wanted to, to, to note is that, if it, you know, Quentin died at the end of last season. And I think that that's really important for the development that Laurel had this season was 
I said all along that because of the way that she felt about her own father, father's death in Earth 2, that if they really wanted to reform her character, it would probably come with Quentin's death. And I think that we saw that this season, especially in the beginning, and how hard she was working to, to become the Laurel of Earth 1 and to, you know, reform herself in that way. Oh, it still hurts me that Quentin's gone, but I, oh, I, think, I, know. That's a, uh. I think that's a key part of, of this development. But yeah, James, what did you think about the Canary storyline? I thought it was interesting. It was like the only thing about the flashbacks I could stand. <laughs> or flash forwards. Sorry, flash forwards. Right, right. But yeah, no, it was it was fine. It was one of those where upon reflection and like looking at it and all that, I I don't know. Like I, I enjoyed the fact that like it was all representative of like opinion and the fact that they did very much make it like because even even to a degree, like she, the you know his you know wild dog's daughter hits a point where she's just like I don't feel like this is being as effective as can. And then you have Mia pull that questionality and just be like, you guys are unreliable. And then like that reveal of like you can't do things on your own. You need friends. You need a team. You need people you can rely on. And that's what the canaries are. Um, it was very very super positive and everything, which was fantastic. But yeah, I don't know. It was it, as you said, it was interesting that in the comic there's one, and we have had we've we've ran the gambit. We've had so many people play the black canary, and the fact that like Legends of Tomorrow has kind of basically taken Sarah Lance, made her her own character, and been like, so she's the white canary who never interacts with her sister at all even before her sister died really like she just kind of went off on her own like any wimey adventure and so like it it, because like that was my issue in last season was she like shows up and it's just like she and she's just like who it is and they like not the real laurel and she's like okay and then just pieces out for the most part but it was one of those where i did like the camaraderie it was an interesting take to add something to that future where outside of really the canaries there aren't any vigilantes like they're they're really almost non-existent and so they are it they are the underground they are everything that is representative to what oliver started and kind of carrying on his legacy but even then carrying on that legacy so much better so much <laughs> sooner by the looks of it because they're like yeah we'll just work as a team and everybody was just on board with that they were at some point like uh, i mean i have to assume where they're like yeah, no, that makes sense. Because I feel like Dino would have probably been like, yeah, so the way Oliver did things was horrible. <laughs> and me and him fought pretty consistently about that. So we're not going to do it that way. And everybody went, okay, sounds great. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I, it was like I said, it was like the only thing about the flash forwards that I was like, I don't mind them. Like, I like this piece of development as far as. A, what it did for Dinah's character, because it really shows the difference between where she is in the past, where she's still very much like she's caught in this weird in-between as the police chief and the canary and the canary. And then, you know, you get that semblance of like, oh, everything's okay because everybody knows she, too, is a vigilante now and they're just going to be okay with it. And I feel like uh, it probably wasn't 100 percent true. Like we we do see that where there are some people who are like, wait, so you've been on the side of the law and on the other side of the law simultaneously <laughs> and you're the one who's guiding all of us so i i appreciate that like we find her in a position where she's older she's wiser and has learned through the lessons of hardship what definitely doesn't work that apparently has taken what seven seasons <laughs> for oliver to try to figure out <laughs> 
Yeah, I liked the, what they did with, with both characters because not only yeah, did they show that Dinah was like sort of the origin of the Resistance, I also like it whenever they take characters and take away something from them and have them struggle with that. And I like the fact that, you know, because I've been saying ever since Laurel has sort of reformed that having two characters with a sonic scream was redundant. And so I like the fact that they also had, you know, Dinah get injured and have to deal with the injury of not being able to do her cry anymore and, you know, all that side of it. So um, I thought that that was good stuff for her to deal with. I really loved what they did with Laurel this season. You know, I mean, a lot of the uh, Katie Cassidy takes a lot of flack. And I think a lot of it is undeserved. I don't think she's always been given the best material to work with. <laughs> Season two. Season two was great for everyone else. It was horrible for Katie Cassidy. But yeah, they don't always give her the best material to work with. And, you know, I think that this season kind of showcased, you know, uh, what she can do with a part. I liked the friendship with Felicity. I liked the idea of, like, Felicity wanting to learn how to be more dark. But for Laurel to actually be like, I want to make her understand what you're getting into and you know what what that's going to do to you and the psychological ramifications and all that and even in some ways trying to protect her and for felicity to be like oh, i want to be dark i want to be dark you know <laughs> let me be dark and i just kind of like that sort of weird friendship that developed between them over that and then the whole thing of you know after laurel's done everything right to have it all yanked out from under her and the sort of understandable reaction of screw it why am i even doing this yeah, I liked all of that. I thought that she they really did a good job of, of, of taking her character in, you know, the direction of trying to reform, showing her slip back, and then also, of course, with Sarah, and then, you know, pointing her back in the direction of, no, I mean, if you feel like this did anything for you, you have to keep on the path. And, you know, I, that, that sort of stuff speaks to me. I really love reform storylines. I really like the idea that people are not sort of locked into, you know, the problems of their past and everything. So I, I thought that that worked really well. So I, I really liked the whole Canary thing. I liked, you know, everything that they were doing. And if this is the end, if we don't see either of those characters again, I think that this was a good place to leave their stories. Because we even got to see that Laurel was still helping out in the future briefly. So I liked having that closure. I think that we would be uh, remiss if we did not mention the return of Roy. I kind of mentioned it for the flash forwards, but we also got him back in the present, which is sort of what started the chain of events led to the end game this season. So, James, Roy's return, how did you feel about that and what they were doing with him? Um, I thought it was interesting, for sure. Just because I didn't really... Like, they had mentioned, hey, Roy, he's coming back. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't know how they're doing that. Uh, did he just, like, go... Yeah, this whole, like, really weird revenge tour where it is that we're on to go and, like, destroy these pools. Uh, nah, I'm out. I'm out. So I didn't really know how they were going to do it. And I was just like, I don't, I'm just, I just don't know. But I did kind of like how they navigated it, where it was just like, I, like, oh, Roy died. And I like how we find out, because it's like, somebody thinks of, like, like Oliver, because uh, isn't it Oliver who catches on to it? Like, he thinks about it and goes... You died, didn't you? Like, just very straightforward. <laughs> like, there's no build-up to it. He's just like, you died, didn't you? And Roy's just like, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, that happened. Uh <laughs> See, and I, the only problem I have with that is I cannot believe for a minute that Nyssa was okay with bringing him back in the Lazarus Pit. She wasn't even okay with using the Lazarus Pit to save Sarah, someone she was in love with. 
And it's like, really? Nissa was just like, oh, let's dunk Roy in the water. It'll be fine. You yeah, know? we're good. Good. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. But I did like seeing Roy back because I've, I've always been a Roy fan. I, I liked Roy. I liked the sacrifice he made way back to like be like, I'm the green arrow. Um, it felt very, I am Spartacus. I, I, I like I always liked that and I was really sad when he when he left the show because I was just like because there's so many oppor- opportunities with that character based on like what we see Roy go through in like the comics or even the animated shows the fact that you know like he gets cloned and like there's a different version of himself that's younger and all, like all of that I was just like god we could have said things with Roy do you want Roy without an arm? Yeah, like we like 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 truly become Arsenal. Like I was just like I know the CW is not going to have a budget to make that look very good, but but I want it anyways. Like, even if <laughs> For some just... reason the side that he's missing an arm on is much bulkier than his other side. <laughs> right. I wonder why that is. <laughs> so yeah, so it was one of those where they were just like at the moment they were like your code name's Arsenal. I was like, but but why beyond just like that's what they called him in the comics like why but yeah mm-hmm. so i it was very good to see him come back i thought uh his uh it was like he came back in form too like it was one of those where i was like roy's been out of it for a while like even the actor he's been out of it for a while and I, he's not in a lot of episodes so i don't know how good this is gonna look but like he came back like in prime condition like i was like he's like his combat is almost better than original Roy. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, it's clear. He learned some things, even seeing him in the flash forwards that like, I, again, I'm still really personally, I'm really unclear about why exactly he went, I'm going to Leanne you. Uh, Cause I was just like, uh, Oh, because uh, he was having the, um, the, the, uh, the murder rages. So oh, he'd go so somewhere away from people forever. Blood rage. Got it. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like except it, when William know, shows up, suddenly he's fine from then on. Who knew? I know. I know. It was just like, <laughs> Oh, you showed me a message hidden in your father's bow. We're good now. Let's go. I was just like, wait, uh, okay. Like you're not going to murder anybody. All right. Mm. But yeah. So I, uh, like I said, I, I was really happy with his comeback to the show. Even if it's short lived, it was just good to see him come back and that clearly whatever he was trying to do outside of Arrow uh, didn't lead to long term, long term success enough so that he could come back to the show. No. Yeah. How do you feel about Roy's return, Mike? Woo! Yes! Okay. <laughs> it was great. It was shocking. Loved it. Yes! Holy crap. He definitely murdered his guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that episode was done so well, too, because you're wondering, like, what exactly, you know, like, is it just that the police think Oliver and company did it, but really it was Emiko's people or what on? Or were they crooked and they're just trying to cover it up because they know they can't prove that they were crooked? And then it just all comes back to, oh, God, they're all covering for Roy. Oh. Just on the writing standpoint, that was the best episode mm. for writing. They did that so well. And the fact that it was Roy didn't see it coming. So back was just, especially in this form, is really cool. And yeah, I agree with Jay. It's like, he just comes back. It's like, Oliver literally just looks up. like, so you died. It's like, oh, 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 you're right. Did you die? Yeah. Oh, you died. Oliver, he died, dude. Oh. And, I really, and it was good to actually hear how Taya was, uh, was doing, too. Because I was... I would have loved to see her come back this this season. Like, grab Royce. Like, look, Oliver, he's going to do a lot. My bad. I'm going to go and take him. We'll take care of this. We got this. But no, he's off. She he she's off doing her girl pal herself. Like, she has her own girl Friday, which I think everyone now deserves her own girl Friday. Just saying. 
But having Roy come back was really a strong indicator for me because Roy was really the first sidekick. And it's always great to see him come back because he always brings so much character depth to what Oliver did right, what Oliver did wrong. And just seeing Roy come back, always trying to redeem himself in some weird fashion, especially what he did now. It's like, woof, man, you did not need to come back and do this. Yeah. Ashley, what do you think about Roy coming back? I have always really liked Roy as a character. So anytime they wanted to bring him back as a guest star, I was 100% okay with that. His absence on the show, so always nice to see him pop back up. It was really interesting for them to reveal that twist that he died and they brought him back from death using the Lazarus pits. I think it's interesting how one of the shows is that a lot of times people just seem to kind of keep repeating the past mistakes. Like the Lazarus pit never seemed to really go so well, but it will be okay this time. We're going to try it again. And then, of course, it still results in problems. I felt like it was almost maybe a bit too much of a plot twist to introduce us late in the game. I mean, we basically have a half season left to Arrow. We don't even know if Roy is going to be in that. So I felt like it was almost a lot to bring up and then just kind of brush aside unless they're going to pick this thread up in one of the other CW shows, which is entirely possible. But regardless of all that, it's always great to see Roy again. And I would not mind seeing him pop up in some of these other CW shows for sure. Yeah. One of the things that I found interesting is that they show with Mia growing up that um, Nissa is going to be like her trainer. <laughs> so I do wonder how the whole Thea thing spins off and, and uh, Nissa comes yeah. back to like train Mia. But, um, but yeah, speaking about Roy uh, specifically, yeah, I've always liked Roy. I was glad that they brought him back. I was kind of surprised when they brought him back because it seemed like uh, I was expecting him to look the same and was a little surprised that he's he's put on a little weight and everything. I think that that makes perfect sense, and it's good to have some of these superhero shows where the person doesn't, you know, look like they're just, like, super-duper ripped. You know, like, people online making fun of Jason Momoa because he has, like, you know, like, 2% body fat, and it's like, oh, dad bod! <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck? You know? Right. I'm like, he still, still looks better fit. than 90% Right, yeah. yeah. He's like, I he's wish still I looked way more good. fit than I am. <laughs> You know, so, okay. But yeah, having Roy back, the, the twist was the best thing. Because, uh, you know, in the future, Roy didn't do a whole heck of a lot. But once they brought him back in the present, and, you know, the whole thing of him having the bloodlust and killing the people accidentally, and then even him risking his life by going into that poison gas or whatever and all that stuff, like, I really liked you know, what they were doing with Roy. And if they're going to bring anyone into the next season, uh, besides Oliver and Diggle, I would love for them to bring Roy into it as well, yes. because I think it would be kind of nice to have much of that season one cast back as they could. Quentin's not coming back, which, you know, no. but... <laughs> they did in a Star Wars, they could do it here. Yeah. They can bring anybody back. <laughs> right. No, I, I'm just saying because Lauren isn't coming back. They're not, Quentin's not coming back. Uh. And and they, they can leave Thea behind. That's fine. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Diggle, Oliver, Roy, yeah, they, them I'd like to see. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how that all turns out. Was anyone else really disappointed that the longbow hunters weren't guys with, or and girls with longbows? Because yeah, I'm like, I why mean, are uh... you, <laughs> why are you called the longbow yeah. hunters? None <laughs> of you has a longbow. <laughs> Not, not oh. even a small bow. Like, no, no bow. No right, bow no, I know. I was like, what? what is that? Because I was expecting, oh, Oliver's going to have to fight people that do his shtick. 
you know, like that's going to be like the, 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 the fight year, you know, and it's like, nah, they're just like three, like sort of like tech villains, you know. <laughs> and they weren't that, they were threatening, but they were kind of just like, here you go, and then dropped. I like some of the stuff they did, one who could like silence everything. Yeah, that, that was yeah. kind of cool, and some of the ways they played around with that, and using that against the uh, the characters with Sonic screams and you know stuff like that. That I kind of liked, uh, but yeah, I was not really impressed with them at all. After last season, they were built up as <gasps> he called the Longbow Hunters, <gasps> you know, and everybody's like gasp, shock, like the greatest, <laughs> like most powerful warriors of all time, and yeah, all right, whatever. And there's Nathan in the corner eating popcorn. They don't even have bows. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this show has proven that the bow is the most superior weapon. <laughs> so if you're going to be intimidating, you have to have a bow and arrow. <laughs> I, I, so, Mike, you weren't on the previous podcast. How did you feel about Ricardo Diaz? Holy crap. That whole turn last season took me by surprise. Oh, okay. Yeah. And even I was like, wait, who? Right, no, I know, it's like, this, this guy's a nobody. <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden, of course, as comic book geeks do, we do our research. And I definitely Wikipedia'd, I, read, I looked up different comic books, The Dragon. I'm like, oh, okay, read a little bit more, oh. Oh, Oliver, I got something to tell you. Steven, Steven, we need to talk. And Ricardo Diaz grew into a, a fearsome voice. That absolutely, I'm even scared of him. Even into this season when he's still captured, I am legit afraid of this man because the actor who plays him, and I apologize, I don't know his name. I need to do better in life. <laughs> he brought so much intensity, so much, he was so methodical on how to approach this character. And every time he spoke, it was chills. And most of the time, yes, I didn't understand what he was saying, probably because he was talking too low. But the words I heard, he was really scary. And when he found Felicity and William in this season, I feared for everything. And just to find out, I was like, William's okay. I sent him off to England. Oh, well, that's logical. Go on. And she's all beaten up. It's like, oh, my God. Are you okay, girl? It's like, I'm, I'm a black man. I have black friends who've been through that kind of domestic violence stuff. It's like, uh-uh. I've seen this. We need to help her. She's a single white female. We need her. And that's really where it took the turn. And I love that Ricardo Diaz brought that, that fierceness, that fight back instinct and felicity that all that she's, yes, she has told Oliver multiple times to repress. And then she comes out and does it. It's like, yeah, you definitely are now Oliver's girl. This is all Oliver right here. But Ricardo <laughs> Diaz was a fantastic villain last season. He was a fantastic villain to still creep up in the beginning of the season. And for season eight, I know we're getting Tommy back. I know we're getting Prometheus back. I loathe that man. I can't look at his picture anymore without having some... Mm, he's like Kai from Vampire Diaries. He, could, he was in Supergirl. As a hero, and I still saw him as the villain from that show. It's like, I know you. I don't trust you. I don't care if you are Superboy Prime or whatever. You suck. <laughs> and just like for Prometheus, we're having the same way. I want Ricardo Diaz to come back in the last season and really, really give the last fight for Oliver. Because that was insane. Love Ricardo Diaz. Okay, interesting. 
Very interesting, considering <laughs> what I said last season. So, uh, Ashley, how do you feel how they use Diaz this season? Yeah, overall, I'm okay with uh, Ricardo Diaz as a character and as a villain. Um, I think when we look back over the best villains throughout Arrow, my top ones will be Slade Wilson, um, Malcolm Merlin, and then Adrian Chase are the three that really stand out to me as both being compelling and scary characters as a threat to Oliver, but also just like well-developed characters. kind of see how they got to where they got to and why they oppose Oliver. But I do th- think that Ricardo Diaz was a, a decent villain. He brought a sense of intensity and you kind of get the feeling that there is no line that he's unwilling to cross to get to his goal and to get back at Oliver. Like he's so angry and that anger just makes him terrifying. So um, I would be okay with seeing him again. I wouldn't necessarily mind if we didn't see him again, but he's one of the villains that I like more on Arrow, but not necessarily one of my favorites, if that makes sense. Sure. And uh, James, what do you feel about how they, how do you feel about what they did with Diaz? Well, I, okay. So I, (laughs) I didn't like his end, like in in terms of like, oh, oh, I was really happy with his end. I was like, yes, uh, I mean, like, yes, no, I was like, like, that's it. Like, that's all it was is like, he's just like a badass and it's just like, nope, firebomb done. And I was like, oh, I, oh. That okay. just shows how much of a loser he was. <laughs> know, that that's know, how he gets taken out. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, is like I hated his character last season. I was just like, God, I'm so, I'm so sick of this low rent thug somehow getting the drop and beating the crap out of these guys. And like, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing special about this guy. And he's just like, nobody believes in me, and I believe in myself. So therefore, I am powerful. And I was like, uh, sure, okay. So like I and that's the thing is like I don't know why but this season I was like so all of that we went through all of that just for that end okay yes sure uh, I guess because like to, I was I was struggling prison, James he's been to prison oh I know well I was strongly motivated for the whole like Felicity's gonna shoot him and I was like oh yeah, yeah that's let's what do I that. thought that's what I thought let's was finally that. gonna be the end game yep and then they were like nope she'll have moral ambiguity about it. And I was like, but does she need to? Does she? I mean, let's think about all of the decisions that she's made since the first season. Does she need to? I don't think so. <laughs> what's what's one more person to all the people she nuked in season four? I mean, there's that. There's like, you married a guy whose body count, we don't even know what that total is. Like, he John Wicked his way through life, unknown to the rest of five years. And like, and then came back and spent at least another year murdering a bunch of people. So, what's one more body on there? What's one more? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my whole thing with Diaz this season was, see, I you know, I I said last season, you know, he's just a dumb thug that they just like the writers are, you know, like letting win. Uh, you know, it seems like there's no reason why he should be able to do everything. And you know, after basically like, okay. He even took over, like, you know, the, the, the four, you know, the, the big organization, the quadrant that runs all of crime in the world. And he took that over. And yet this season, he's like subservient to this other secret organization. And he's just sort of like kowtowing to them. It's like, 
what the you know what this is the guy who like takes no flack from anyone and will just murder the leaders of any organization and be like no i'm in charge you know like why is he acting like this and i just couldn't get a, even a feel for what they were doing with diaz this season and i just felt like it was a sloppy mess other than him intimidating felicity and like you know pushing felicity to go an extra mile I felt like he had no purpose. I was really glad when they just set him on fire. I mean, his whole end game was getting into a slap fight with Oliver in prison. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, I was so tired of him. You know, I was so done. Uh, and like Ashley, I, I really feel like the strong villains on this show have been Slade, Merlin, and Chase. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be done with, with Diaz. But let's talk about Emiko. Ashley, why don't you start us off there? What do you think about uh, introducing another queen sibling and uh, how her storyline went? Yeah, again, this is another one of those things that if you'd gone back to season one and told me about this plot twist, to be like, man, this is almost like a little too over the top out of like all the secrets and the crazy stuff that the queen family had over the years. Like there's one more, but I think it did work. I can't remember who it was that had kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but like Oliver Queen's father really is kind of worst. Like, yeah, well, yeah, because he was sleeping with his aide or whatever, and and you know, in season two, we find you know the the person Summer Glau was playing. It just keeps getting worse. Like, <laughs> right. and it's it's really hard to see Oliver's like learning these additional things about his family and just like his image of them kind of slowly keep falling apart. Like, there really isn't any queen legacy to protect because it's all just a great big dumpster fire. So it was kind of hard to see Oliver struggle with that. Like the memories he had of his father, the the opinions he had about him, maybe his father really wasn't a great guy. So I felt like Emiko really pushed him to kind of re-examine some of that legacy. And it's, I mean, even though she was framed as a villain, like it was easy to see why she was upset. Like if I found out like my father had kept me hidden and you know kind of betrayed my mother and was just generally a jerk you know I too and even though you know she made obviously not great decisions I could understand why she was upset with the queen family and throughout the show I think we've seen like the past sins like the idea of that just coming back to haunt them again and again and again so I did enjoy seeing the dynamic between their family and unfortunately a lot of times Oliver has had to clean up problems that are not necessarily his fault like he has made bad decisions he has kind of faced the consequences for some of his own actions but he's also had to deal with some of the things that his family members have left him hmm. and um, Mike what did you think about Emiko I remember she's still a new character for me, even in, even in the mythos of Arrow, even in the comic books, because I can't, I don't remember much about her. So this was really my forte into who she was. I knew she was like the sister, I think, even in the comics for Oliver. But having this new Archer and even her backstory, it's like, and I agree, Robert Queen is just the worst. It, God, thanks, dude. So. Emiko's pursuit on what she thought she was doing to get revenge for her mother just went down this dark path. And then we had the Ninth Circle being involved and then come to find out she was the leader. She betrayed the guy who taught her everything, her pseudo father. Well, he he lied to her and kind of betrayed her. Yeah, yeah. And amen. And it's funny because you really see that Emiko is... Oliver was right, in my opinion. Emiko did have good in her, 
she could have easily made that choice of not to pursue this anymore, especially when she found out that, you know, I'm just going to call him Adrian because that's his name. <laughs> when Adrian betrayed her because she was doing all this for her for her mother and kind of find out he did it and he did it for the reasons that she upholds. But at the end of the day, it's still Shink. She was my mom. And unshink. And probably more a couple of shinks. And at that moment, really, she could have just ended it. Because at that moment, like there's no motivation. The motivation changed from one to get revenge on for, for mother into, you know what? Let's destroy the queen legacy. I'm pretty sure everyone else has tried, but I can do it. I have that power because I am a queen as well. And she was skillful. The whole building collapse was actually, uh, I was worried a bit. But thank you, Tommy. Thank you. But Emiko coming in was, and we, and, you know, every season we have to have an archer, especially mm-hmm. as a villain. So it was cool to see Emiko be in this universe. And that was really nice. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I was kind of sick of the, you know, and yet another, like, sibling for a queen thing. <laughs> Her and the her and that fight. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. It seemed a little far fetched to me. That, oh, I have two half sisters from each parent. Okay. And, but see, that's the problem that the Berlanti people do a lot when they give us some new mystery character. Uh, what's in my imagination always seems more interesting to me of who's behind the mask than what they actually present us with. So it's like, oh, there's this new Green Arrow. Who could it be? Who could it be? It's like, oh, Oliver has another half sister. Eh. You know, I wasn't too thrilled with it, but I do think they tied it in well with the whole idea of legacy and everything. And once that went and her relationship with Renee was so sweet, you know, I just expected him to be like, you know, Zoe needs a mother. <laughs> you know? I mean, they could, uh, they, they could really, but I, it, with it being CW, there had to be some more love and we're getting tired of the, all, like off, uh, was it? Oliver Felicity, I mean, like, Felicity Aussie, I don't even know what they're... I mean, I, I swear, he was just, like, you know, half a heartbeat away from just asking her that a few times. It's like, can we go out? It's like, yeah, yeah you know, I know this great burger restaurant, we're not doing that. Okay, let's go ahead and beat these bad guys, let's do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Big Belly Burger, the best, the best fast food place in the <laughs> multiverse. All right, uh, James, what did you think about Emiko? Just like everybody else, Robert Queen's the worst. <laughs> the worst. <clears throat> and and it's it's like all through that discovery, like when they showed like the scene where she like she talked to him, like she was just like, No, like I want to do his thing, but I want to I want to use the Queen name. And he was like, No, no, you can't do that. <laughs> That's insane. And just like really rejects her. And I'm like, wow, horrible father to literally everybody that even even the child who wasn't like even Thea who's actually Malcolm's here and you were just you were just the worst all the way around like you damaged every single person you touched in your life so I I immediately did feel for the character after that I I was worried that nobody was going to mention Adrian Paul because I was just like because <laughs> I saw like when I saw him I was just like God he seems familiar where do I know him from Yes and like I'm sitting there and I was because I haven't seen Adrian Paul in a hot minute and I was just like and I'm running through my head and I'm running and one day my wife's sitting on the couch she's reading a book on her phone and suddenly like I just burst out and I go it's the Highlander and she was just like what and I go. Adrian Paul, the Highlander from the show, the 
really terrible Highlander. (laughs) Oh, geez. I go, they went on for like 12 seasons or something. But yeah. So I was like, it's good to see Adrian Paul still finding work out there. (laughs) And honestly, I thought like his interpretation of that character was really great. I, I, I legitimately enjoyed like the twist where it's just like, I mean, it wasn't a twist hard to see coming in reality, but it was like a good twist where it's just like, she's bent on revenge and like, they're helping me. And like, he's the one who's trained me and he's gotten me there and I'm going to get my revenge against the queen name and all that. And then it's just like, yeah, no, he's the one who orchestrated the whole thing. Like all of your vengeance, like, like you're super like hard on for vengeance here is 100% because he murdered your mom. But, like, that doesn't even deter her because she's, she's like, she takes care of business with him. And then she's like, but the queens are still terrible. So I'm still getting revenge on the queen name. And I was just like, well, she's strong in her motivation. It's a character I, I really didn't know as far as where she was in the comics. Like, I, I only recently had discovered after her reveal that it was just like, that character only showed up since, like, 2013 in, in Green Arrow. So she hasn't been, like, a huge part of the mythos until only a few years and so i was just like oh okay but yeah just that whole aspect of like it left me going how many other children might might he have had because like <laughs> at this point there's no limit like kids show up or or kids not actually be family like who knows uh at this point anything's possible yeah so I and I did like the fact that it is uh, like that reflection in and of itself is is such a difference in Oliver. Like he does really break that cycle in so many ways where he no matter what, he's just like, I don't care. I don't care if she's doing these horrible acts. I don't care what the scenario is it's because of my father. My father screwed all of this up and i'm gonna be a better man than he ever was and i'm going to still reach out to her and let her know she's not alone she has family and she is still welcome to this if she wants it even if it means like like like, even if it means she kills me and so it was just like you know this season you're not such a bad guy oliver i mean you still make horrible choices but (laughs) at the end of the day like truly morally he's come around to such a morally rounded place because of the people he surrounds himself with and i think i think that we got to see very much i think he got to see a lot of himself in emiko and i think seeing that reflection was just like if i can come this far i can help her get to where i'm at and so i i really enjoyed that aspect of like him trying to him trying at the very least with everything going on and and still wanting to have that relationship because she's family even even if they've never grew up together she's family Mm -hmm. i just realized and i think it's i think it's good that we saved this for last we didn't talk about diggle now, I'm just going to throw this open, because I know it's the thing that's been rampant internet speculation Hell yeah, it has. since the beginning of the character. I've never personally cared for it, because, you know, it's not who he is, but apparently they're telling us he is. So, uh, we had in Elseworlds, the Barry Allen of Earth whatever, 90, saying, where's your ring, John? And then we find out that John's stepfather's last name is Stuart. <laughs> so, they're telling us he is actually... John Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Mike, you don't feel strongly about this oh. at all. So why don't you tell us, why don't you unleash Ooh, your feelings here? I love vindication, justification, <laughs> love, 
everything <laughs> about it because I can't. I wasn't a hundred percent when Diggle showed up. Uh, I probably wasn't until season two when or whenever he started becoming Spartan. Right when he becomes Spartan, it's like, oh, you want to be a superhero now? Okay, you know, it's John Diggle. Yeah, you're in the military. I think you're good with Legos. You can wear a ring. You can wear a ring, right? You can wear a ring. And so, yeah. So even I was like, with the series, it's like, you know, maybe his he has he remarried or something. Like his original name was John Diggle Stewart. He goes by John Diggle. And yeah, come to find out this season, we need his stepfather, which is General Stewart. And as and my eyes just went. Yeah, that's my father, General Stewart. Like, Stewart? <gasps> you did Berlanti. And yeah, because yeah, that Elseworld episode where it's like, where's Ring? I'm like, what the? What do you mean, Ring? Takes out all my friends. Is like, did you? Did you? He can say where his ring is. Like, he can say where the ring is. And so yeah, it's like, uh, where is your ring? Let's do this. Please, let's. <laughs> because we, uh, one, I, I'm more of a Hal Jordan fan than I am with Jon Stewart. As a Green Lantern, let me just say that. But for everybody, even for me who grew up knowing that Hal Jordan was the first Green Lantern, Justice League, the cartoon where John Stewart was the OG Green Lantern character. So you know, representation matters. Everyone recognizes John Stewart as who's Hal? It's like no, it was a guy before John. Like no, there wasn't. God damn it! Here, th- read. <laughs> but John Stewart is that prolific number one Lantern for everybody. So. For me, I would love, as a Green Lantern fan, I would love to see that on screen because we all need to watch that movie out of our mouths. <laughs> we really want CW-verse to do it right, and this could be their moment. And even if it's a tease, stop teasing us. Just let them pick up the ring. I don't want any special graphics. Just find the ring on the ground. I don't care. Just pick it up, on, look fancy, and fly off into a nice green hue and just... Make me speculate and wonder if he's ever going to come to the Flash. Okay. Yeah, see, like, that's been my argument all along. Is like, there's no way that, A, they could afford to do the Green Lantern on Arrow's budget. And, B, that, you know, like, once he'd had a ring, you know, like, his power level would be so disparate from Oliver's that it would be like, what, what would even be the point anymore? Because, like, Oliver would be redundant in his own show. But, you know, now they're going into a final season... Now I'm starting to think, ah, you know, they might be a little willing to spend a little more money on this sort of thing. But what I think is, I don't think we're going to see John Diggle get the ring. I think Oliver is going to go to another reality where he's John's. Like, we'll get to keep the actor. We'll have the actor, but Oliver's going to go to another rea- uh, reality where it's John Stewart with the Green Lantern ring, and he's going to recruit him into whatever group they're going to. I, well, we'll get into that in a little bit, but this is sort of my theory. I'll be recruiting people from different Earths to help in the final battle, but, you know. Multiverse theory is fun. Yeah. (laughs) Ain't a cop-out. All right, but but James, how do you feel about General Stewart and the reveal? (laughs) I squeed. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, and and, and who's who's playing the dad? I don't remember the actor. Ernie Ernie Hudson. Yeah, yeah. Ghostbusters. Yeah, Yeah, and he's just the best. Like, Like, I saw the actor and I was just like, how can this get more perfect? I didn't can. Because, and I loved how he, like, represented the character. And I, I, I enjoyed that arc for Diggle yeah. quite a bit. Where, uh, you know, uh, they, they talked about the whole fact that how he remembered his father was not who his father was. And the reason they kept it from him is they never wanted to shatter that image for him. And I was like, 
that's like the nicest thing he could have done. And the fact that he has just borne your ire for years and taken it just, and just with a smile. And when, you know, I'm really sorry you feel that way. Uh, you know, I believe in you. And it's just like, ah, oh, he's like the best guy ever. Come on. <laughs> Well, and I think it worked really well with the whole idea of legacies and sins of the father and everything that they were developing with the queen fit. And it's sort of like yeah. Diggle got to like spin into that as well. Well, and that's the thing is like, if you really uh, like, like to, to go on a little sidetrack, if you really look at the overall arc of so many characters in the show, all of these heroes suffer a very similar thing with their dads, <laughs> where it's like, it's like all, Oliver had a horrible father. Diggle's dad apparently was not a really great guy. So you have like, and, and they're like best friends. So it's really interesting to be like, if anybody understands what you might go through now, Diggle, it's going to be Oliver of all the people. But yeah, no, I, it's one of those where I look at the fact that we look at the flash forwards, God help me. <laughs> and I hate even saying it, but <laughs> it's one of those where we look at it and you look at the fact Diggle is not present at all. Yeah. I'm like, what if he became a Green Lantern and he went to the universe that, er, that, that Oliver went to? What if that happened? But I, I agree with you entirely. Like, I look at them and I see what they do with Supergirl. And I go, God, I can't even imagine the budget it takes to try to make so many of the special effects they do. It, like, it was really clear that, like, after two seasons and everything, like, after the first season and then after everything switched to the CW, we see a whole lot less martian manhunter in his martian form like it, it was just like, was like that, yeah i just look like hank now all the time yeah and it was just like god that requires so much budget to just do even that and it's not even cgi but it's just like ah uh, it's too bad so it's do i think we're gonna get a john diggle green lantern maybe in like uniform alone in special effects like i don't think we'll see him like floating around like a green lantern like they might put him in like the lantern spandex and something with the ring where it's like he does just a couple of things and they're like all right we're good <laughs> that's it well my joke last year was that he just holds his fingers up like guns and goes pew 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 and just green bullets fly <laughs> out <laughs> pew, pew, pew. <laughs> oh you can take lessons from from felicity with her whole like bye kids uh but you know uh so it was just like uh yeah i don't know i i i think diggle's arc this season was really well done and and that's what i'm nervous about it's like we saw nothing of him in the flash forwards so i'm like are we even gonna see him and that's my question for so many characters for last season is like are we even gonna see any of them i'm pretty sure we'll see because i'm pretty sure they'll keep that actor whose name escapes me right now it's really sad I'm going to meet him at Dragon Con. I can't remember his name at the moment. But I'm pretty sure we'll keep Diggle, if no one else, on the show. Because he was even part of the shot. Like, every season when they get renewed, like, he and Steve will picture together with, like, holding their hands up for the number of the season. So they took a picture together of them, you know, flashing eight, you know. So I'm pretty sure that means that Diggle will be part of the eighth season. I really hope so. Because, I A, I enjoy the actor. Like, I've been doing since the very very beginning yes. as i said like he's always been kind of the jiminy cricket on oliver's shoulder in many many ways but he's as as a person outside of his character he's always just fantastic I mean, he's always good to his fans and everything for the show and just personally and so i just i give him work just keep yeah. giving him work i'll watch him in whatever you do well remember anyone left over after the end of arrow has the potential to move into either tomorrow or the Flash, or even Batwoman, I guess now. Like somebody might move Let's to put Gotham. John Diggle 
in the flash so he can constantly get flashed around and just hate his life always. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard somebody say that they hate that joke, but it's one of the jokes that I absolutely love that's a reoccurring joke in the series. Because I'm like, like, yeah, if I lived in a world... He's seen men probably explode, (laughs) and like this is the thing that he's like, I can't handle it. This is the worst. I know. Well, I think that that's like actually probably what would be like a more normal reaction than people give it credit for that somebody just couldn't handle something that weird and that outside of their like experience. So, but hey, people get sick, which isn't even all that unusual. So, you know, somebody getting sick from being flashed around, that sounds plausible to me. The flash would be my worst enemy. I get motion sickness. Like I would be exactly a single shoot all the time. <laughs> Ashley, uh, how did you feel? I mean, I, I don't know even know if you're aware of Stuart as a character, but uh, at least with Ernie Hudson being cast as the stepfather, you know, what do you think about that whole that whole side for for Diggle? Yeah, so I have always been a fan of Diggle's character, kind of ever since the show started. I like how he's been a foil for Oliver, like he supports him. I love their friendship, but also he's like sometimes Oliver, like you need to fix what you've got going on here. And just kind of causing him to question himself a little bit, like others have said, kind of serving as Oliver's conscience. I am too very curious to see what will happen with him in the eighth season. I definitely think they're going to keep him around just because it will kind of be a nice way to bring the show. It really just started with Oliver and Diggle kind of getting this whole vigilante thing started. And I think that it will end with these two characters somehow. But I'm very curious to see what they do with him. I would be okay with him becoming the Green Lantern of the CW. Um, I do not have very fond memories of the Green Lantern movie. (laughs) And I would love to replace those with Diggle as Green Lantern. So I support that 100%. And really just want to see a worthy end for their friendship. I would be really sad if for whatever reason Diggle was not in this final season. Because really want to see closure between their two characters. And I would not see mind seeing him pop up on other CW shows in the future. I am a little suspicious that Diggle is going to die. I'm just putting it out uh, there. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like from what we've seen of either Connor or what we heard about John Jr., you know, and what he's been up to, it doesn't seem like they had a father in their life. Yeah. I just don't see him as being the kind to just kind of like peace out and not be involved with his family. Right. So something drastic would have had to happen. Yeah, so I'm afraid that, yeah, I think we might see a Green Arrow or a Green Lantern version of Diggle, but I don't think that's the Diggle of this world. I think he might die. But we'll see. I mean, they might surprise me, but I just feel like it'll be too much if he and Oliver are just hanging out in the same yeah. place. <laughs> you know, if they both, neither one is dead and they're both just like, oh, yeah, we're just waiting around to make yeah. our entrance. <laughs> you know, our kids have grown up, you know, who cares? You know, <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. So yeah, anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about, Mike? No, that covers everything. Uh, Ashley? Um, yeah, I think that's, again, about um, all I had to say about the season. Just really curious to see how it wraps up. Hopefully it's a satisfying ending, and it'll be weird um, next spring when there's no air to watch. Sure, yeah. Games, uh, anything, was there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't? Uh, um, no. No, okay. not at all. <laughs> I was I was really trying. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, I guess the one last thing that I wanted to ask: any any thoughts or expectations for season eight? We know that they've got the crisis on Infinite Earths is going to be how Arrow wraps up. 
other than that, it's really a question mark. You know, the fact that he walked off with the monitor is what makes me think it's going to be all a setup for Crisis, but, you know, there, there's the potential that there's some other story arc going on along with that. So, Ashley, do you have any, like, either thoughts or, or expectations or things you want to see? Not anything really specific. Just again, I just hope that it's satisfying whatever the ending is. Like Oliver has gone through a lot. Um, he's made a lot of mistakes, but he's also grown. So whatever ending happens, whether he does end up sacrificing himself or being trapped in some kind of alternate dimension, I hope it's just, it feels satisfying for the character and that he's able to find peace in whatever sense that could mean. And hopefully it'll be just a nice way to cap this series that we've spent like eight years um, in his fans. Yeah. James, anything that you want out of the uh, final season or anything that you expect? I could do without any flashbacks or flash forwards. If we could just. just <laughs> <rap>. <laughs> I'm going to warn you right now, the flash forwards will continue. Oh God. Cause if they've cast all the flash forward people as the, the dot Mia, um, William, older William, and Connor have all been cast as regulars for next season. Right. Super fantastic. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, if anything, like, uh, yeah, just kind of the same sentiment. Like, I think season one, while not its strongest season, it did a great job of introducing us to the character, introducing us to characters that we have longtime love for. So I really... I'm not looking for the season to go out with a bang by any means. Uh, that's just not how the arrow works. There's never been like, it's a showstopper. So I, I, I just want them to do their due diligence with the characters that we started with. So yeah, good things for Diggle or bad things. Either way, you know, I want us to like my ideal finish is everything ends right where it began, so to speak, with those two characters. I think that's just so fitting because of the great friendship on that the characters have, as well as the actors, it seems, through the show. So I think that would be really fitting. But I think definitely the end of the season is just as we kind of said, I think a little bit earlier in the show, that it's going to lead into the big, like cross event or whatever the case because i mean when you go it's, it's it's exactly this number of episodes and we look at the history of the shows and we go it usually takes exactly that many episodes to get to the crossover <laughs> uh, the math makes sense yeah I, I expect that the show ends at the at the fall where they go on break and that's going to be the crossover because they've already said the crossover is going to be you know like it's going to some of the shows will be affected by it, like, in the fall, and the other shows will be affected by it in the winter. So it's going to span the break. So we're going to have some cliffhanger when they go on break. Right. And then they're going to, like, pick it up after the break. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how they do that. But, Mike, anything you want to see out of Season 8 or anything that you expect to happen or anything like that? Uh, just, just, a, just closure. Mm. Like, everyone just... John and Oliver really having that moment at the very end. That's really all I, I'm really expecting. After from seeing Comic Con today, as of this recording, they the actors from the other shows, Super uh, Melissa Bennett, uh Grant Gustin, and Ruby Rose, they and others had this video tribute saying thank you to Stephen DeMille, which yeah, it caught my feelings. I was crying. I, I, I teared up really hard. So the fact that we're going into the final season, and it has been eight years, and Stephen Emil and his team and Berlanti has just created this whole space. Like I just want season eight just to really encapsulize 
everything that Arrow has done these past seven years and just end on the highest note possible. No pressure. And yeah, no pressure. <laughs> and I, I just want them just to have a, a fitting proper end. Yeah. Eight years of Stephen Amell tearing his voice up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so my, uh, yeah, my thing is, like I said, I expect that the crossover or the, the lead up is going to be like Oliver going to different earths and, recruiting people now like trying to stop the big bad that's coming whatever but i think we're going to see a lot of different earths and i think with them saying that tommy and chase are going to be back that's because they're going to be from alternate universes and interesting twist is if the alternate chase is someone that oliver needs to recruit onto his team and like having that dynamic of like a chase Mm. from a different earth that oliver has to like work with i think that would be really disturbing I also think because the monitor brought back Lex Luthor yeah. at the end of the Supergirl season, that it's possible that he's going to make Oliver work with Lex, and that's going to be amazing. <laughs> no, I just want to see no, them no, working together. On his own bu- he's on his own bull stuff right now, all right? Because I saw the end of... Because that was just one thing he and the Supergirl. Hold on. I have another person to go grab. No, he is starting stuff, sir. I don't trust this guy. <laughs> but that's what I think. I think that that it says, you know, he obviously had plans for Oliver and he has plans for Lex. Wouldn't it be interesting if he forced those two together and just to <laughs> see, you know, how both of them are kind of like, you know, types and, and planners and just to see them working off of each other. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, so uh, we've gone a little long. Not that that's uncommon in the 42 cast. So uh, it's time to wrap things up, let people know where they can find you. So, Mike, why don't we start with you? Say goodbye and let people know where they can find you online. Goodbye, Aaron. That's, you can, of course, find me over on Twitter at This Is Trex. That's T Rex like the dinosaur. Rire. <laughs> I even have a di- I got a dinosaur because I went to the Riverbank Zoo dinosaur exhibit. So I have a prop now. <laughs> I was about to say, you have a dinosaur because you went to the zoo? What kind of zoos? <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Park? I'm not going to say that because life finds a way. Okay. <laughs> James, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? I don't know how I even follow that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, you guys can find me at Roman on the Rocks on Twitter. Uh, of course, on Facebook as well. You can find my page, Roman on the Rocks. Feel free to subscribe. But otherwise, uh, I'm also getting ready to start producing those wonderful podcasts, just like this one, here before too long. And you can find a lot of that stuff. I always put links up for those but you can also find them through soundcloud as well as podcasts that are there all right and ashley why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you online sure um you can find me blogging about movies tv and other stuff over at the eso uh, network website at esonetwork.com you can also find me on twitter at ash one tweeting mostly about star wars stuff surprise surprise all right and ashley james and mike thank you so much for being on the show today oh thank you no problem. Thanks for having me. And that's it for our Arrow episode. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Let us know if you like certain guests, if you like us doing TV topics, or if you think we should branch out more. And you can do that in a variety of ways. One way is emailing us at everything at 42cast.com, dropping us a line on our website at 42cast.com, sending us a message on Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast, tweeting to us at at 42cast, or you can also leave us reviews on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. 
I also want to make sure that everyone's aware of the ESO Patreon. It's a way of supporting the entire network, everything on the ESO network, all the different shows. You get access to exclusive episodes as part of the Patreon. And so you can do that by going to patreon.com slash ESO network. Now, you might notice that with this, I am completed with the Berlanti shows. I am not doing an episode on Legends of Tomorrow. The reason for that is that I absolutely detested that fourth season. I know a lot of people liked it. I know a lot of people really liked having Constantine on it. I gotta say, the occult stuff does absolutely nothing for me. I really disliked how the show went even further into absurdity. Again, I know some people liked it, but I don't like Gary as a character. I did not like Mona as a character. I really, really hated that they had Zari and Nate in a relationship. One of the things that I really liked about Zari was that she didn't need a guy. And, you know, by making her this sort of lovesick puppy to Nate, it was just kind of, it not only did it feel forced, it just, you know, kind of made her feel like a weaker character. And at the same time, it feels like it was just done so that the, you know, sort of switcheroo they did at the end of the season could, you know, have some emotional impact to it. But uh, I, I just really hated everything about it. I mean, the other thing that I really didn't like was that one of the things I was looking forward to was the relationship between Ray and Nora after they had had such a great relationship, had a lot of frisson, but at the same time you could tell that they had this attraction in season three, and instead of having Nora be that same character, it was kind of like, oh, now that I'm released from Mollus, I'm completely 100% wonderful and pure, and I always just want to do good, so we didn't have that, that spark, we didn't have that nice sort of snippy interplay, you know, that kind of made them such an interesting couple in that third season, and I was completely bored with them, so one of the things I was completely looking forward to was also disappointing, you know, and just... Uh, There were a lot of things that I didn't like about the season, and I'm not really looking forward to the next season. So I felt like it was probably best if I didn't do an episode on a season of a show that I was completely unhappy with. Well, other than the Godzilla episode, I did really like the Godzilla episode. But (laughs) anyway, all right, well... That's a wrap up for this time. Um, I know I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. I've heard the sound quality issues. I'm looking into it. I'm trying some different things. But because I'm behind on getting these episodes out still, I was not aware of the issues until fairly recently. So there might still be a few episodes coming up that are also experiencing the same issues. So we'll see what I can do about that. I know that that... Doesn't make this the best thing to listen to when you've got little choppy, you know, cutoff words and stuff uh, in there. So I might have to bite the bullet and go to a paid service. At least then I can kind of trust the output of it if I can't figure out what's causing this. But with that, let's wrap up the Arrow episode. Let's wrap up our Berlanti 2018-19 season as we head into Crisis on Infinite Earths for this season. And join us back next week when Ezra Miller will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2019. Got a question for the ultimate answer? 
contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.